Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast from FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Uh, feckin' A. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you didn't see boy. my hand motion there. Just like, woo. Yeah, no, all right, whatever. All right, we do not have Bill Graham with us here today. The holiday travel schedule claims its first victim. But in his place, we have here with us today to discuss the Banshees of Inishirin, Cassidy Olson. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Um, Appropriately, I I just got off a plane from the nation of Ireland. So I'm bringing Ireland with me into this discussion of one of a few Irish movies out this year. But yeah. Are we counting after Sun? Um, it's a that's it's fundamentally a Scottish film. So I, I mean that, well, that was the accents Robin. are Irish. No, no, I no. know, I know so she's racist. Scottish, but the accents are Irish. I swear they're to not, God, they're not. Like, they're Scottish. No, uh, I Robin, don't believe it. Look, it's really awkward for you to just walk in here and say, "I don't know." They all sound the same to me. No, that's you know what the thing is. Screen Ireland and Screen Scotland both had Paul Mescal films this year, and Screen Scotland, I think we can all say one. Because uh, they got after Sun. Uh, no offense to God's Creatures, uh, which was the other Screen Ireland oh, I really Paul Mescal film. To see that. Um, well, you still can, but they <laughs> got buried, kind of. Yeah, I because well, yeah. I there was there was what there was God's Creatures, there was God's Country. <laughs> yeah, God's Country is the one where some people are harassing Tandy Newton, right? Yes, Tandaway Newton. I don't can't. Okay. Yeah, she went back to going by Tandaway. But uh, yes, that is, it's a lot of, it is that that kind of title that sounds a lot like a lot of other movies. It does not have a strong title going for it. Yes. No, it's, it's a, it's not a great title. Like what's the David Fincher movie that everyone in the Slack was talking about today, Robin? It's got like an extremely generic name. That's like a Stanley Kubrick film. I literally can't even remember at this point. It's like the, the, it's the killer. It's called the killer, right? Oh God. Right. You like fucking dress that up a bit anyway. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> they they just don't give themselves any like they don't do themselves any favors with these titles. I swear to God. No, unlike the Banshees of Inisherin, which is yeah. a fucking fantastic title. Um, I'm gonna attempt to say feck instead of fuck for the rest of this podcast. We'll see how long it takes to break that. <laughs> is that cultural appropriation? I am half Irish, so if it is, uh, it's my whatever a culture. So I don't give a shit. Okay. Yeah, I accept this. Excellent. Um, Cassidy, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Absolutely. So my name is Cassidy Olson. Um, I am a writer. I'm a filmmaker. Uh, as I said, I'm based in Ireland, specifically Dublin. Um, I know Robin because I am about to not be a member, but I am a member of the Boston it Society sucks. of Film Critics. <laughs> yes, it I sucks am, that we're I losing am, you. <laughs> I am retiring. Listen, I I wouldn't call myself a former film critic. 
Um, but I well, you're have. You're about to criticize a film right I'm now. I'm about to criticize a film right now. Um, I am very grateful to be uh, to do some podcasts, and I used to do quite a bit of writing for the Boston Globe um, and the Improper Bostonian and Dig Boston. You're noticing a trend here, mm-hmm. um, as well as some other uh, U.S. and U.K. publications. But my kind of film journey has taken me more into production over the past, I'd say, two years. So at the moment, I am not I would what you'd say a working critic, but I'm very active. Um, on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram and you can find me on, you know, all the usual places. So yeah, it's lovely to be here. I'm a big fan. Excellent. Uh, so were you a part of like the nine hour voting thing that Robin had to do <laughs> last weekend? <laughs> I was, yes. I called in like, I, yeah, I called in on a zoom um, and I was not in the room, which was sad to miss, but I was not going to be stateside for that. So yeah, it was, it was long. It was intense. Yeah, it was intense and it got more intense later, but that is did, a but we, conversation. We digress. Not the air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to talking about that off mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, we are here today to talk about The Banshees of Inishirin. This is the newest film from writer director Mike McDonough. So can't wait to talk about that. Before we do, all the usual upfrontery. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And uh, you can give us uh, your money over at patreon.com um, for as little as $1 an episode at patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. You get access to our Slack channel where we talk about poorly titled David Fincher films. Um, there's a lot of conversation going on around all of the film stages year-end stuff. So go and check that out. And we are also brought to you by Mubi a curated streaming service that's dedicated to elevating great cinema. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. I would once again, uh, since it's, you know, the Christmas sort of season, love to point out uh, that The Road is going to be leaving there soon, so check that out. It's great. Um... The Peter Sarsgaard film Experimenter is also on there uh, from Mubi. Peter Sarsgaard has an unnerving knack for bringing brilliant, somewhat vain intellectuals to life. And his high wire performance as a daring sociologist and experimenter is no exception. Between actor, character, and director Michael Almerida. <laughs> I think I fucked that up. Cleverness is off the charts in this unorthodox biopic so if you are interested in any of that stuff, you can go and check it all out by going to Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage. Um, oh, I just noticed that they're also putting out the Punisher, uh, the Pusher trilogy from Nicholas Winning Ruffin, who, uh, whatever happened to Nicholas Winning Ruffin? Is he still doing stuff? Hopefully going away forever no oh. everything he makes is wonderful uh yeah i do i do i do love drive yes i do love drive but like what since oh drive god forgives and oh, the neon god demon forgives. yeah the neon robin i gotta say i don't know the last thing he did was oh no he has a show coming out that's what's that's what's the new thing right he has a show sorry i, I don't ha- know any of the details out, right no did it i I certainly didn't see it (laughs) i think it's coming out i saw a trailer i saw a trailer and i think it's not out yet i i I am now making a choice not to look this up because i just am having you just have to trust me yeah all right um anyway the pusher trilogy is out 
uh, on movies, so check that out. Um, they also have Andrew Arnold's Wuthering Heights. So when you go home, there's a whole lot of great stuff to sit down and watch with the family. Uh, check it all out at movie.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. It's the gift you give yourself. M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage. So that's that. Um, any other stuff to discuss before we get into the Banshees of Inishirin? Yes, I started The Patient. Oh my fucking God, it's about time. How? Oh, yeah. I already messed up my fecking thing. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Brian you- has been begging me to start the show. It's just, I haven't been avoiding it. It's just in my queue. Yeah. It's Feels very like good. I've been avoiding it. It's very I have good. not yeah. seen that myself. Yeah. I do yeah. recommend it. It's great. Um, I will say, uh, like four episodes. Okay, great. Yeah, so there's still way more to come. Yes. Um, but Brian, I just also wanted to share that I have never been more attracted to Domino Gleason. I am deeply disturbed by that <laughs> revelation. Speaking um, of Gleasons, the Gleasons, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can, I get it, sort of. Um, I think he's very handsome and awesome and a very great talent. I am disturbed that you've never been more attracted to him than you Like, are. it's this particular role. That is mortifying, and you should seek help. Like, like I like his weird hair, and uh-huh. I like his weird stare. Right. And I don't know, I'm just like... I like you. Love his moral stance. Love everything that he does and stands for. <laughs> I like a rigid guy. Okay, awesome. I mean, there's something to be said about. I don't even watch this show, but I, I I understand what you're saying, Robin. Thank you. I appreciate that. I also don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I'm having a problem tonight. Yeah, I think Domino. Okay, Domino. Yeah. Yeah, Cassidy, you're the expert now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, just gonna defer to you for everything. Wait I, until we get to Barry K. Yeah, oh God. I actually, I actually went around the. I like trained. Well, not trained, but I made you a did. point of saying to the room how to say his name in the in our vote. You did, uh, but so. I think you do that. Like, I. It's Keoghan, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. It's just people I think t- tend to drop the G and say like Keoghan or like Kean or whatever. I've definitely yeah. said. Kia fan. <laughs> Where'd you get the TH? Just no PH. Like, oh, like oh, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. I've, I've, I think I've always called him Kyogen, but then people are like, isn't it Kyogen or Kyogen? Or- I fully was saying it wrong until I went and saw this movie with my Irish friend and she's like, yeah, it's Kyogen. I was like, ah, got it. And now I know. If, if it was Dutch, it would be like, or something. Got so. <laughs> Irish is a really hard language. I, it I don't. Is. I do not speak Irish. It's very hard. I read the the. I, I'm going to say the name wrong because I don't know how to pronounce it. The Tain, the T A I little mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. N, and there's a list of like pronunciations. Like the whole forward is just like look, mm-hmm. get ready. And then so my brain, I just can't. So it'll be like, and then yeah. blah, 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 picked up the <laughs> sword, <laughs> threw it at man, and cut him in half. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. This is working for me. Brian, you have to read that book that I literally cannot read. Yo, that looks awesome. I'm looking forward to that. What is the name of that book? It's called The Wake by Paul King North. And I love the concept of it, which is it is a post apocalyptic novel set in 1066 during the uh, conquering or the 
the harrowing of William the Conqueror. And it's supposed to be really good, except that I read, I was trying to listen to the audiobook and I literally could not understand the person reading it. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe this is just the narrator. And then I looked at the actual text and holy shit, I could not read that. It's like some mix of old English and middle English that the mm. author just sort of mashed together. And, you know, as much as I like stories set in this era, I was very interested in, you know, this time period and just the whole like conceit of the novel. Right. I'm just going to have to give this to Brian as homework. So then he can <laughs> report back <laughs> about the book to me. Have you like, just never read like train spotting or anything by Irvin Welsh where they No. Okay. So you're just like, not, great at like vernacular writing like, you know I've, I've read things in phonetic vernacular you know especially when i was a kid but i'm just i don't know just i can't it's just not like how it. i want to spend my time I like really hearing the character's voice in my head that hard <laughs> yeah so you you do it for me like not as a gift to me like like do the labor for me I was just reading Milkman by Anna Burns, which is not in, it's about Northern Ireland and it's not in like a vernacular. That's that. It's just the, the, it's very, very difficult prose. So mm -hmm. I f similarly feel like after a while, it's just very like free flowing and I'm like, and it's mixed with a bit of like, just, I'm like, what does that mean? So, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I, there's, there's times where I can handle that. And there's times where I simply cannot. Well, as a person who loves like Cormac McCarthy, I'm just like, yeah, give me all your weird linguistic tics. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. <laughs> anyway, um, talking about linguistic tics and uh, <laughs> British Isles accents and all that. Uh, let's talk about The Banshees of Inishirin. Again, the newest film um, from director and writer Martin McDonough. This movie stars Colin Farrell. Brendan Gleeson and Carrie Condon, uh, as well as Barry Keoghan. And um, we are here to chat about it. So here is the trailer. Colin Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? All right. That is part of the trailer for The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, which is a movie about a small community that is thrown into a little bit of chaos. When Calm decides that he no longer wants to say a single goddamn word to Patrick. So, let's talk about it. There's a lot going on here. Um, and I'm excited. I'm I'm super amped to chat about yet another Martin McDonough film on this podcast. Let's begin with our guest. Uh, nutshell, spoiler-free thoughts. Uh, what do you think, Cassidy, of The Banshees of Inishirin? Yeah, so I am very strongly of two minds about the Banshees of Inisharan. I first saw it at London Film Festival in October, and I saw it, um, which I think was around the time it was coming out 
in the UK and Ireland anyway, but it was just happened to be when I was there. Mm-hmm. And I saw it with a friend who is is Irish as well. Or she's Irish and it was funny, it was mostly an English audience. But um out of that screening, I was like fairly positive towards it. And she really, really enjoyed it. And kind of we discussed it at length. And then I, over I've seen it again since. And I think, you know, the I, I don't generally like uh Martin McDonough's work. Uh, I don't really like him as a I don't really like his writing, uh, which is, you know, what he's known for. This is like very original scripts. Um, I don't really love the ideas behind his writing. I think he's a perfectly fine and funny writer of prose, but I think some of his style doesn't always stick with me. So I was like definitely really pleasantly surprised to find that there was such a deep kind of well of emotion in this film that I really connected with and I really enjoyed it. The reasons I didn't really care for it, I can get into later when we can talk about spoilers. I think fundamentally <laughs> it's more like politically, I don't love the film, uh, but blown away by the performances. And I think it's being recognized like across the board for many, many of the performances. Uh, and I think they just do wonders with the script. Um, cinematography is beautiful. Um, they shot in Inishmore in the Aran Islands and in Ackle Island in Mayo, which I went to for the first time in May myself and uh, went to many of the locations where they shot. It's a really beautiful, uh, beautiful part of the country, beautiful part of the West Coast. Um, so it was very fun to be like, ooh, I've been there, you know, have have that happen. And, you know, it's really wonderful to see this connection between, you know, these, these two actors and Mark McDonough again, you know, and see them all kind of grown up. Um, and I really love seeing writers and directors age and then kind of like reconnect with like the same ideas that they've been exploring since they were kind of younger and trying to be cutting edge and then kind of working with that again and the same people and revisiting those themes. So I really enjoyed that, but I am not a massive fan of the film. And I think that is, I seem like I'm in the minority. I think most people really like the movie, but I'm excited to hear what you guys think of it. All right. Well, let's see. Robin Barr, what did you think of the Banshees of Inisherin? Yeah, you know, it's actually kind of funny. I agree a lot with Cassidy. Um, I am not the biggest Martin McDonough fan. I hate Three Billboards. Uh, Truly hate that movie. Uh, In Bruges, you know, I have good memories of it. I don't know if I would feel the same way today if I saw it. And I don't mean that in a snide way. I just mean, like, I don't remember a lot about the movie. So I'm curious how I would feel, you know, 12 years later. Um, But... I went into this, you know, with a good attitude and there are lots of things I like about the movie. I've never liked Colin Farrell more. Um, He's not an actor I typically enjoy. And so I was just like kind of blown away by the, I don't know, the, the bonomi of, of his performance. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, but, (laughs) but I, I enjoy that. Um, Carrie Condon's very good. And (laughs) she's also an actress. I have not really enjoyed a lot. Um, So (laughs) I thought she was really bad. You don't like her going, hey, pop on Better Call Saul. (laughs) I I don't watch that show. Number one. Got it. Um, She just goes, hey, pop. (laughs) Over and over again. Yeah, it's it's like she got like just every fucking single goddamn word was pop. Pop. It was incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I watched one season of that. She does good accent work. She's good at accent work, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's good. 
It's yeah, it's it is funny though because like that show, everyone's like, oh, like the writing's so great, and I'm like, every time they had a Carrie Condon scene, were they just like, nah, fuck it? I agree. I agree. <laughs> they forgot. Uh, I thought she was really, really bad in Rome. Like, oh, like the worst actress wow. in the whole oh, show. That, well, that was 18 years ago. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember her. I actually, I don't even remember watching Rome. I'll be honest. My husband I and I, I actually watched it again over the pandemic. And so oh, wow. it's a little okay. fresh on my mind. Um, it's a, generally, it's a decent show, but yeah, it, it felt a little rougher um, from an acting point of view all these years later. So it was again, she's in three billboards. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember her either in that. They're not married, right? Cause he's definitely with uh, Phoebe Waller bridge. Yeah, no, they're show. not. They're not okay. together. Um. So, you know, I, the performances are good. You know, Bre- Brendan Gleeson's always good. Barry Keoghan, we'll talk about him, but um, he kind of blew me away. So, yeah, a lot of really good elements. And yet I found the movie a little too gimmicky for me. And I think that goes to, that that speaks to kind of what Cassidy, you were saying, is that mm. you like his writerliness, but not the ideas behind it. And I think I kind of feel the opposite where I actually liked the, emotional arcs and the ideas of of the film and and you know what it means to be kind of moving toward the end of your life and just wanting to spend your time the way you want to spend it like i thought those themes were really interesting but i felt like so he relied so much on this like cleverness this cutesiness that i just couldn't get past um and we'll talk about that in spoilers but you know some of the things that happen some of the shock value aspects of the film that happened toward toward the latter half of it. I just kept thinking like, oh, this is so gimmicky, you know? And, and then the, I don't know. I want to call it like the Woody Allen irony thing. Like he, <laughs> he like does this like mirrored irony that is just so like, I, you know, we've seen this before. So it, it, it I liked it. It's good. I have a lot of, I, I see a lot of flaws in it. And so it's did not end up in like my top 10 or anything. All right. Uh, before we get into my thoughts, uh, Carrie Condon was apparently in uh, the movie Unleashed, which was released in other territories as Danny the dog, uh, the Jet Li movie where he's like a human attack dog for Bob oh my Hoskins. Gosh. Um, <laughs> is that a good oh my God or a bad oh my God? No, I mean, I'm just surprised by her career first of <laughs> all i yeah because in that movie she plays like and i guess it makes sense because when did that movie come out 2005 so like you know her mm. playing a teenager makes total sense i guess at that point for all i know she was i literally have no idea how old this woman is um but she's great in that movie that movie rules so that's insane to me that that is a thing that happened I have not seen it. Got to check it out. Got to yeah. check it out for Carrie Condon. It's great. I That is like one of my favorite Jet Li movies. That is a movie that truly understands like the powers of Jet Li as an action star and as a presence on mm. screen. Anyway, I really liked the Banshees of Inishirin. Um I liked the kind of cutesiness that butts up against this incredible darkness that creeps in over the course of the film. Um, I don't I can't can't say enough good about all the actors in it. Everyone's friggin' knocking it out of the park. I think that this movie was responsible for like half of my nominations at my critics group uh, in terms of like writing and directing and cinematography and 
all the all the acting <laughs> i didn't i didn't even know like i w- i was like colin farrell's got to be lead and brennan gleason's got to be supporting right i was just i have no idea i i so i had to like do a lot of research because i was like to me it feels as though they are both leading this movie are they being considered co-leads i have i can't even remember i had to no like, i think gleason put himself gleason in supporting his, yeah, yeah Which makes, that makes sense. sense like but i think it is a supporting role i don't see it as a as a lead role no, in terms of what's going on. But then at the same time, yeah. I'm like, but Barry Keoghan's in this, and he's great, and he's definitely supporting, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. He's like a, like a tertiary supporting. <laughs> like They really should have multiple tiers for this. It's like, a real ensemble movie, even yeah. though it's about like two people. Yes. Like There's just and a I, lot. If you're, I yeah. am pretty sure I also nominated it for Best Ensemble. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it I is mean, a yeah. good ensemble film. There's a, yeah. there's a shit ton of great stuff happening in this movie. And I, I've watched it twice, once for awards consideration and once because I liked it. And it came on to yeah. HBO Max. And I was like, why wouldn't I watch it again? It's great. <clears throat> Definitely not going to watch The Fablemans again. Um, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Oh, good to know it's on HBO Max because I did just tell my dad that I would watch it with... Not the Fablemans, uh, this movie, Banshees <laughs> yes. of Assurance. I just told them I would watch it with them. Yeah, uh, no. I'm it's trying, like a good dad movie. I'm oh, yeah. trying to decide if I want to show my parents this movie. I think that they'd like it, but at the same time, I thought they'd like the favorite. And well, my that's... mother <laughs> said that the uh, director of the favorite should be put to death. So <gasps> I don't. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so sad because I love that movie. And that's the only reason why it's sad. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, Said the narcissist. Wait, who's a narcissist? Me. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Um, I was and also Rose DeWitt Bucator. <laughs> Bucator. Uh, God, yeah. Go back and listen to our Titanic episode if you want to know what Robin's talking about. Um, but yeah, so I really I really dug this movie. I don't know. I liked it all the way around. I liked the the Banshees. I liked Inishirin. I liked it all. <laughs> Front to back. Good times. The fictional islands, the real stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny cuz you were like, "Oh, this like West Coast." And I was like, "This does not look like the West Coast." And then I was like, "Oh, right. Yes. Other <laughs> of Ireland." Have Western <laughs> coasts. Yeah. I was West. like, "This is throwing off some real main energy." <laughs> You're like, listen, I don't think that's San Francisco. You're like, yeah. Yeah. It's like you just call, you know, Irish people who live in Dublin are just like, oh, the West, which just means like the West Coast of Ireland. The Wild Atlantic Way, as it is branded. Oh. How would you characterize the stereotypes or cultures of of that part of Ireland? Since I really know nothing about it. Well, that's a whole other thing. I think like, I think that's part why I'm also and I'll, I'll get into it but I think part of why I'm a little bit like eh about the film and also I think it's really I think it's worth noting that you know this is a film made by like an Anglo-Irish director mm. uh, writer director and you know he's obviously incredibly internationally successful and this is made for a super international audience like these are all pretty hide like you know big name actors this is you know this is in awards consideration everywhere um americans on 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 average are loving the film um i know it just it is it either just picks some things up or was nominated for quite a bit at the london critic circle as well um but it's funny the the irish response has been a bit muted but that's not surprising to me Mm -hmm. because 
most Irish audiences don't like being told <laughs> stories like that, that are using a lot of like, it's a very, you know, it, it traffics on a lot of those um, conventions of an Irish movie in terms mm-hmm. of like, it is, uh, you know, um, the town, it, it, it's using a lot of the stereotypes and to its advantage, to its advantage, I think, but mm-hmm. the town idiot and then the bastard cop and then the priest. And then there's the old lady who's a busybody and really annoying. And yeah, then there's, there's a like, lot of like, <laughs> the idiots and like, yeah. And it's playing with that. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's like how much of that from an international audience is like, aha, Ireland. And then I think certainly <laughs> like, I know I saw this with my partner who is Irish and he's like, yeah, I don't buy it. And his parents, I was like, go see Banshees. And they're like, yeah, I don't buy it. Um, so it seems like, like Disney ish to them. So is it more what? Sorry, Robin. So, so it comes across as like fakey Disney-ish. I think it's like, or the, the, the funny that we're talking about the feckin' thing, right? Like my, mm-hmm. my partner's mother, the first thing she said was like, that's not, that's not very accurate. <laughs> it's just like, they don't say feckin'. We don't say feckin' that much. But then it's like, it's also, it's, it's a defensiveness, right? Because, because Ireland is historically, you know, uh, this is talking about, you know, a, a very, particular time in Irish history, but also yeah. historically Ireland is, uh, you know, colonized and quite poor and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of things going on there. So I do think yeah, that there's yeah. a certain level of representation in film where they're like, it has to be good or like, you know, it has to be a certain thing. And I don't even think that's necessarily true. We need but need Brad Pitt's in the devil's and, own. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. I think it's such a high standard, but I definitely think it's, yeah, it's using stereotypes as far as like the west i mean i don't know because it's it's a period film right so it's like i don't know how anyone sounded in 1923 um right like the west of america was a very different place than the west of sure. america now yeah. so like if it was like oh and like you know when when we first get out there it was all like you do a weird prospector voice like there's gold in them hills <laughs> everyone in but california the west, yeah. the west like is just this. historically is irish um and like the irish-speaking regions of ireland are still in the west and the more easter you know closer to Dublin you get, the more English the names are, right? The more colonized it is, the further west you get, kind of more reserved. So that you have that small, like, oh, it's like a little island. Also, there are just many islands off the west coast. So, of course, that makes sense. And, you know, there's a shot on, you know, two of them. And I think it could be, you know, the, the, it could be in either of them in terms of where it's supposed to be set. But yeah, I don't think it's like, no one's, no one's getting into fights about like, this isn't what Mayo is like, but I think it's more just like general (laughs) things it's saying about Ireland because it's not that big of a country. This yeah. is interesting. So in some ways it is basically Maine. <laughs> basically Maine. I see what you mean. Like I have, I actually have spent some time in Maine at this point in my life. I didn't grow I grew up in New Jersey, but I have spent some time in Maine because all my We're friends. We're in Jersey. I'm in Jersey right now. Um, the shore. I'm down the shore. You're in, you're in Maryland, right? I am. Yes. Yeah. I'm down the shore. I'm in Tom's River, New Jersey. Not to dox myself. Um, <laughs> But I'm from Tom's River. Just I'm doxing. there right now. Come find me. This is me. probably the safest podcast on which to dox oneself. Because <laughs> right. we have a lot of very passionate fans, but they're also incredibly lazy. Um, okay. <laughs> quite spread out as we well. We once told all of our, like, I think Bill, wasn't it, said people should send marmalade to my distillery. And no one's done it yet. <laughs> and I was expecting at least one asshole. To say, I fucking don't want it. This is not me saying, oh, man, no one sent me any marmalade. Give me marmalade. But it would be so easy to, like, go on Amazon and order some marmalade and send it to my distillery. And no one's even done that much. So, like, I don't think you got to worry about people coming to Tom's River. I always ask where people are from uh, in New Jersey because my cousins live there. So Where are they originally? Sicklerville? 
Hey, I don't know what that is. It's like <laughs> sounds- exit two or three on the turnpike. <laughs> cool. Okay. We're well, I'm pretty far south, but uh, that sounds, that's cool. But yeah, anyway, Maine, great place. But lots of different things. Yeah, there's lots of rocky islands, right? Just the mm-hmm. west of Ireland is like that. But also, green it's supposed to be gray. very insular and like it, very much uh, like if your people are not from Maine, even if you grew up in Maine, if your people are not from not Maine, you're still not a Mainer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, These are I, things that I have heard. Yeah. Someone was like on a podcast saying, like, you know, I'm from Maine. Like, I was born in Maine and I'll tell people that. And then they'll say, yeah, but where are your parents from? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, if they moved to Maine, they, wow. you don't count. And meanwhile, I live in D.C. where everyone's like, where are you from? And if you say here, they're like, no, fuck, come on, man. Like really? County? Like, we all yeah. know that yeah. we're not from here. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. No, I know very few actual natives here. Okay. So this is helpful kind of helping me contextualize. I mean, to be fair, when I started the movie, it took me about 30 minutes to realize that it was set in the 1920s. What? <laughs> like I was getting wow. a little bit. Wow, yeah. Robin. Mm. You're just like <laughs> 30 minutes in and you're like, wow, 2022. Uh, sure like, wow, they are wearing a lot Ireland. of waistcoats. <laughs> I, you know, I was kept thinking like, this is like literally I had the thought. This is very stereotypical. Like, why are they making Ireland out to be such a shithole? Oh so like, I- <laughs> no one has any electricity. They do. Yeah, I was just like, wow. Why aren't this they is, using their this cell phones? Is how it is. I mean, I did watch um, Normal People, which is set in <laughs> Ireland. Yes. And is, is, is about two, it's about great? two young people who come from like a poor area and like a not rural, but at least well, like a yeah, small one town. of them is uh, they're from they're from I think they're from yeah, they're from Sligo mm-hmm. in the in the right? Yeah. And yeah. then she's like rich and he's like not. And they like, yeah, but they're small town. And so even though when they go to university, they're still seen as like the, the poor dirt bags. It's uh, it's called, they're called culchies. (laughs) Culchies. What does that mean? It's like an offensive, like, it's like calling someone like a, you know, like a hick. Oh, a bumpkin. In Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Bumpkin. Yeah. Culchy. Interesting. Yeah. So yes, that I think they call him. I think they call Connell a culchy in normal people, certainly in the book. I don't know if they say it in the show. Um, I love normal people. I think it's a great, I really like that adaptation. I like the mm-hmm. show a lot more than I liked the, the novel. I've heard that actually a lot. Yeah. I don't love her. I don't love, no, sorry, Sally. I don't love Sally Rooney's writing style. Uh, her style is fine. I like, I like, I like that show a lot. I think like it's fantastic. I like Lenny around. I like Paul Mescal. Yeah. Wasn't controversy around Sally Rooney. Yeah. Wasn't there? She kind of um, gets, she gets swept up in a lot of like, millennial white rich women who are skinny like writing about themselves critiques but oh. she's yes. not yeah. she's she, oh sorry there was a critique because she thinks she was boycotting israel she was doing a i think there was something to do with people being like you it was it was it was something to do with israel i think was it was the actual was like the larger issue but i think she does get swapped up on a lot of um just kind of general critique but she's pretty much like offline and doesn't say a lot and is oh, generally well, I think well liked. A good that's a good yeah. thing but you, everyone should I, do. I think you're I think I sort of remember the Israel thing, but I think what is more present for me, at least the way I interpret her, is is more like the former, which is just being another sort of bland intellectual young woman kind of doing a lot of self-insert when she writes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that comes across and I think she like it's particularly normal people. She writes men 
so well. And then mm-hmm. the women, I'm always like, who are these people? <laughs> so it's a lot well, of like, <laughs> what if I was me? But it was very fun. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know who she is, right? But I, yeah. I, I like the way she writes male characters and whenever I, she writes um, women. I got, I got the, like almost the reverse feedback from like when I would let my friends read my my fiction, like my novels and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, you're very like all of your characters are very multi-textured and you seem to like have a good sense of people. Your your women, like <laughs> you seem to like give them more the benefit of the doubt for what they're doing, and you treat all of your men with utter contempt, and it's almost like you're trying to torture them. And I was I like, I think that's oh. a much more common that's a much more common mm. critique and issue because most people are like, I can, you know, see myself and others, but then the minute there's like a significant difference, it's harder to put yourself in someone else's shoes and like write them. So I think that that makes sense. I don't know why Sally Rooney's so good at writing men, but she's right. Well that just, was like and that was the thing is like they were like, you know, you're you're strikingly good at writing. And these were like women who were telling me this because I never let my guy friends read my novels. Mm-hmm. Which again, this is probably why I hold all my male characters in contempt. <laughs> like it was like you write the women really well and they're very multi-layered and everything. And the guys are like good characters, but it seems like you hate them. Like when you describe them, it sounds like you you just want to destroy them. And I was like, oh, that might be true. (laughs) I was like, I need to look at that. Speaking of writing complex men, Banshees of an Assurance. (laughs) Many men. Um, At least two of them are complex. complex. It's about mass. How much of it's about mass? Like masculinity in a way, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, for instance, I mean, yeah, we, at this point, I'm just going to say, hey, guys, guess what? We're about to go into spoilers. I don't know if we're going to say any immediately, but you should just be aware that we're probably about to start doing spoilers. Um, our spoiler section is not very well defined, <laughs> but we've been talking long enough. I feel like now is a good time. So let's just uh, flip the safety off. Feel free to go for it if you want. But like Colin Farrell's character seems like a simple guy. Everyone's like, you're the quintessential, like, nice guy. Like, you're whatever. Like, you're great. You are you don't have to be, like, interesting or cool or good. Like, you just, you're really <laughs> nice. Like, and then after he, like, <laughs> tells the, the music student that his dad got hit by a bread truck. Um, that's when uh, Dominic, uh, Barry Keoghan's character, says, like, you know, I thought you were a nice guy, but you're not. You're like them. Like, and that's when he starts, like, the cracks start to appear. And we start to realize that, like, these these societal concepts that have kind of been grafted onto all these people are either wrong or everyone's just the same deep down. So even even Colin Farrell's what do they what do they keep calling like Gom? Is that the one? The, yeah, the, a Gom. Yeah, like a simpleton, like a moron. Yeah. Like even he's got this darker complexity to him that people wouldn't expect. And in fact, it's that comes up earlier even. Because Colm, when he gets dressed down by Patrick when he's drunk, is like, I think that's the most I ever liked him. Like, people just Hmm. can't seem to accept him being nice as being, like, a benefit. They think it's, it's like, a... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, a deficit. Or, like, a a neutral position. And they only seem to react to him in a way as though he's, like, a real person when he breaks out of that. Which is almost constantly negative, unfortunately. I do think he's like a really interesting character in that way. And I think that's, you know, that's, I think you will, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, Colin Farrell and as a performer as well. And that, I think this film, I think you also touched on this. Um, uh, I know Robin, you, you had mentioned earlier in your episode on 
Tar that you've never really liked Colin Farrell like as an actor or like you never like cared that much about him uh, which I think is really interesting and then I think you guys are talking about how this is a really good role for him because it plays to all of his like natural kind of strengths and appearances as an actor as this kind of very vulnerable person so it's really easy to like buy into him there um, and I haven't thought very critically about the way that oh he I know he like turns bad I think for me it's like I have a really hard time seeing that as like a character I don't know I think of it as like it just to me it's so allegorical like it's like oh like within us all you know (laughs) we can all be but we can all be bad you know if put under the right circumstances more than like oh I don't think he's a fake you know I don't think he's faking the way that he feels about people or his sincerity I think he almost is more like a like a like a hit dog right like he's like well i have yeah. to do something about myself i have to stand up for myself exactly but you're right that people are always like you should stand up for yourself and then he does and they're like but not like that so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he just doesn't get it right i think he's endearing because he's like trying to do what he thinks he should do and not, he doesn't feel any of those things like sincerely right. when he and when he and dominic are like what if it's like you you know you were aggressive like maybe he'd respect <laughs> you and that'd be fine and he like goes in and is like being sweet to the dog, and then he's like, "No, never mind. I didn't come here for a licking. I came <laughs> yeah, here for the opposite yeah. of a licking." And he's like, "I love, I do love that part. A licking and a licking. A licking. <laughs> I do think the your 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 mommy got hit by a bread truck, or your, your daddy got hit by a bread truck. That really made me laugh. Oh like my I god, was, I was laughing. Hundred percent, the funniest part of the movie. And it, like, it's really just, funny. <laughs> There's something yeah, so childlike about my this died. <laughs> <laughs> there's something so ch- yeah i agree with that he's very it has a lot of like wonder and like genuine curiosity in him and pain i mean that's yeah. that, that's what's so interesting so one of the reasons i think i've pushed back against colin farrell over the years is because he really started off his career and god this was 20 years ago at this point as a just like a himbo um <laughs> whether whether that's actually his yeah potential or not, you know, he he just came across as like one of those smoldering guys who kind of postured a lot with this like machismo thing. And, and I know a lot of women are into that. It's just not my kind of thing. And so to see him grow um, as an actor, and, and he's obviously taken on a lot of dramatic roles. I know a lot of uh, people love him in the lobster. I haven't seen it, um, but I know that's like a, a maybe one of his more breakthrough roles as he, as he enters this new phase of his career, um, right. you know, People you can really like, see that he can really yeah. act. He's got a weird mustache. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he can do doofy like who knew. And, and this role is so doofy in a very endearing way, um, but it's, that's not the only note. And I think that's what I appreciate about it. You know, he's not playing this person as um, like a total, I mean, unfortunately, Barry Keoghan or Keoghan, Keoghan. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had it and then I lost it. Um, Barry Keoghan. Yeah. It's like degrees this, of idiots. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> he has to play this like total, you know, what they say, like, don't go full R. Like he, he doesn't, but I feel like he goes as deepest as he can with that. Whereas like Colin Farrell is, you know, in the, the tier above that um, in terms of, you know, playing a, a simpleton. I've or... definitely known a couple of Dominics in my life where you're just like, this guy is doing something. <laughs> Say more about that. I just, um, you can feel 
that they missed something in their development. And I'm not talking about like, I don't know, genetically or educationally, mm-hmm. but like more like socially, you know, mm-hmm. and that there's just some piece that never got installed right. And no one ever had the patience to work with them to find a workaround. And so they've been left stunted in this way that leaves them very lonely. And they see the way that other people who are confident and uh, jocular and able to like tell a joke and charm people act. And they try to act that way. But again, they're missing some necessary software. And so that just alienates people more, which leaves them more lonely and more desperate. And so they start acting even worse. And so like I, I have known... And I'm talking about like primarily when I was in like middle school, <laughs> not not right. so much right now, um, because I just think that those people are not living in the same circles and doing the same stuff that I'm doing now. But like when we were all together in the great melting pot that is, you know, primary school. You know, we were around each other. And that that's the kid who his fucking parents would buy him a trampoline because they'd be like, all the kids want to come over to the house and bounce on the trampoline. And thus, our son will have friends. And God <laughs> fucking damn it. We went and we bounced on that trampoline and that kid didn't get any better. You know, he bounced like, on that tramp. <laughs> yes, precisely. So like watching him and then especially when he he sort of finally is able to have a a basic civilized conversation uh, with Carrie Condon's character um, in order to basically confirm that there's no way she'd ever want to be with him. Yeah. Um, oh. It was actually kind of heartbreaking because I'm like, look, the guy finally figured out how to speak like a human. But unfortunately, the first thing he did with that power is to confirm a a rejection that we all knew was coming. And is honestly rightfully done like there's no way that i would be like oh should i give him a chance because no that's just not no but um yeah that was so his his whole arc in this movie was was heartbreaking and i think that he's actually doing a lot of really fine work to to lay on that on that that shadowy you know good shaded area of a little bit too much coming back in and like finding his equilibrium and yeah, his finding when 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 at the end he is discovered to have killed himself, that was very sad to me. Um, oh, uh, I did not necessarily interpret that as a suicide. Like, I, think, I do think it's I do think it's interesting that they leave that somewhat. Yeah, I think it's a little bit um, ambiguous, and and it probably could have been, but I also somewhat read it as like he done goofed. Like he just fell. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think that? Hmm. Because I guess I just expected that of the character that he just would end up <laughs> that's, dead that's in like sad. the derbiest way possible. You know, kind of like um, <laughs> so spoilers sad. for the White Lotus. Oh, like, I was going to say like the White oh Lotus. Oh my God. <laughs> there is spoilers. No, Go. I would, if, <clears throat> if I had to be stuck on a luxury yacht with either Dominic or Tanya, I would choose Dominic in a fucking heartbeat. No, Tanya all the way, honey. No, because Tanya is 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 Dominic, but with so much money that she feels entitled to stuff. I mean, the crossover yeah. we never saw coming. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think this would come up. I love Tanya. Shut the fuck up. Tanya's I do think. I do think that everything you just said explains like why it's so like why Barry Keoghan is so interesting in this movie. Cause it's like, yeah, we've all, yeah. I have a very distinct memory of being a child and like being around people where I was like, you make me uncomfortable, but I recognize <laughs> that I should be nice to you because there's nothing, you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. You're just, I, um, just there. I live in fear yeah. of the moment when I realize that like, I figure out which child in my daughter's grade has become that person. Aww. Cause I feel like it's six. Yeah. Everyone's still, Good. You know, even that kid is probably on the same plane. And the concern is that, like, that development stops at some point. Mm-hmm. And then, like, suddenly at 10, I'm like, oh, Cora, we can't hang out with Joseph anymore. He fucking <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting, too, because fundamentally in the film, like, they are kind to him. And, like, oh, yeah. and as a character, he should either, like, to an audience, he's this perfect balance of, like, he is super funny. Like, he gets most of the great lines in the film. And then he delivers them with such aplomb and such interesting kind of angles. And then he's also inherently c- creepy as a performer, like, physically. Yes. He has all these ticks, and he's always brought those to his roles, and he's bringing that here. And then also he is heartbreaking and sad. And then, you know, he's all of these things and they work really well. And I want to see more of him and not less of him, even though he is so off-putting. And I think that's such an interesting thing. He yes. accomplished. Yeah. I mean, like yes. he, he shows up with his face beaten to a pulp Yeah, and he, you know, you, you feel instantly sad and like, you you know, want to be protective yeah. of him, but then and you, he also you learn that like, he's abused fundamentally. Yeah. yeah. But it also like he says, yeah, like the last thing was a kettle, which wouldn't have been so bad if it weren't for the spout. And you're just like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't I should go into hell for laughing at it. But it's just funny. And the fact that yeah. he like says it like that is funny. And yeah, so that's I, I give him a little more credit than he done goofed. I think at the very <laughs> I think if you want to make it a goof, you would make it. He he leaves. I think the last time we see them together is when Colin Farrell talks about the bread truck. And uh, Dominic says, like, you know, I thought I thought you were a nice guy, but it turns out you're just like all of them. And what that means is that with Siobhan gone and with Colin Farrell's Patrick, uh, you know, now revealed to be just as mean and, and cruel as everyone else on the island, he's got nowhere to go. Like, he doesn't have any out, outlet anymore. Yeah. Like, no safe place. So it, at that point, if you want to talk about goofing, he probably drinks the rest of that bottle alone. Mm-hmm. And then I could see him accidentally dying that way. But I wouldn't think of he's just like, oh, here I am, sober and happy. Oh, no, my shoes. Ah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably the correct interpretation. It just, it didn't feel like super obvious to me when I was watching it. Yeah, to me, it felt very obvious just because of the way that last conversation went. So what do you the think the inciting went. emotion was for him? Despair. Well, duh. I mean, I we know why people do this, but I'm saying, like, for this particular character, what do you think? Not like not what were all of the reasons, but like, what do you think the inciting event or or reason was? I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of the 13 reasons why school of suicide. Um, I feel like it's a it's an accumulation of of life events, like. I feel like I kind of have to feel like that way because of all the people I know who've killed themselves and the uh, various levels of guilt that I have to hold over all those. So, yeah, I don't know. I like, I, like I said, I think it's, I think it's, um, 
a mixture of, you know, his father constantly beating and fiddling with him. Um, you know, Colin Farrell's character kind of, you know, revealing himself to be just as casually cruel as everyone else, which again, like relieves him of some of like his possible refuge and Haven. I think, uh, getting rejected by Siobhan to an extent, but again, like, you know, it's, it's like, I'm not trying to like say, Oh, if only she loved him. Like, I'm not trying to do that. No, like, but it's, I think there's just an, an accumulation. I think there's just a certain point where yeah. you're like, I've got literally nothing. Like Colin Farrell would have nothing at the end of this movie. If it weren't for the fact that now he's got like this great rivalry that he can have with his friend until one of them dies. Like, not to be like the allegory queen, but yes. I also be think, the allegory queen. Please. But I also think that with his death, or for me, like all of these characters carry so much weight about who they're supposed to be beyond themselves. So, like obviously, his character I think is really rich as like an individual, mm-hmm. but I also see you know his character as like what are your ways, you know, what are your ways off of this island, which you know is in a Sharon, but is is Ireland, and it's like you know you as Siobhan does, you know, you have a profession and as many women did, you leave. So, you know, mm-hmm. you go get a better job on the mainland or whatever, which is what she does. Um, or you, you know, reach old age and try to make something of it. Like I think Colm is kind of trying to do, or, you know, you die. <laughs> like, and I think that like having a character who is like, you know what, fuck it. And, and not even, yeah, for those reasons, as you said, or for no reason, or it was an accident, whatever. But like, that is one of like, there are many tragic young deaths. And also, I think for me, again, getting into the allegory, which we can get into here, it's about the Irish Civil War. Oh, you well, know, yes. the, amount of, the amount of young men who died in the Civil War. So I think fundamentally, you need someone to die. You need someone. And it makes a lot of sense that it's this person who's been beaten down by, right. it, you know, everything not, there. Not even. And who's also of- young. Yeah. Right. And not a victim of violence, but a victim of the despair. That's yeah. The victim of the despair of and the violence. lack of options that he has. And, and, you know, he doesn't have any, he has no way out, you know? So I think to me, it makes sense, but not even from like a specific character mindset so much as like someone's got to die and it makes <laughs> sense narratively and like allegorically that it would be this kind of poor young guy. Someone's got to die is like my favorite gear that a movie can be in. (laughs) Yeah. I love a movie. Well, we do know that because of the Banshees and the title. And yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you don't name a movie, the Banshees of Inishirim. And you're like, oh, it's going to be one of the guys. And then, you know, it isn't. Nope. It's a, it's a donkey and. Yeah. Jenny. Poor Jenny. I felt really bad when Jenny died. Okay. I felt bad when Jenny died. But that's that was probably the part that broke You're me. Like, listen, the, the gimmickiness of it, like, uh, oh, we fucking get it. Like, it ate one of the fingers. <laughs> like, come on. You don't think that was sad? <laughs> that was. It was so manipulative and artificial that it, I couldn't even. First of like, all, like, yes, it was sad it because the donkey is cute. A donkey but... would eat a finger. <laughs> I'm like, how hungry is that donkey? The donkey you know, is eating everything. If you That's if, true. The the donkey is constantly gnawing at things and trying to eat things off of counters. Yes, and and I think equine or what like opportunistic carnivores. Yeah, probably. I don't know. They Let me eat whatever. That. Are donkeys <laughs> opportunistic 
I have seen, I've literally seen horses eat chicks, like baby chicks. Oh my goodness. So, so Robin, you think that you didn't, you thought it was gimmicky in terms of like moving the narrative along. Like it was like, why would that happen? Like yes. you think that it should have been something else fundamentally. Felt yeah. Like and I don't off. know what, but like, yeah. it just felt too, it felt cutesy. I, I can't think of another word for mm. it. Like cheesy. Mm. We get it. There's an irony here. It's it's shocking. It's I don't even know if body horror is the word, but it alludes to body horror. Like, give me a break. Interesting. I really like it. I don't know. <laughs> I will yeah. The part the the I just remember seeing the scene, the only scene that I'm like, wow, like it like is like, oh, like makes your heart sink is like when you see because Siobhan is leaving and Siobhan and Porig are like walking up the drive and then they pass calm with no fingers and they're like oh my god and then she's like I am getting the shit out of here she's like I am leaving right now with my yellow jacket and Porig is like doko yeah that part that part I thought was pretty I I don't know how I feel specifically about the donkey again I think it's a little bit like oh Irish people and their farm animals but whatever Um, (laughs) but I think but he's dealing with farm animals no no I mean yeah, he's just like he loves. He lets them in the house. They're like, don't let them in the house. And he's like, but they're cold. Okay, yeah, it's pretty cute. Also, um, he's like, just, what is what is he says something like, I'm not gonna t- put my donkey out when I'm sad or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the line. He's like, I'm sad. I'm not gonna let my donkey be outside or something. And they're like, naturally. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought that this that scene with that with his with when they're passing each other, and it's like, oh my god, it happened. Yeah, I fucking. I like that insanity and then he's just like goes to the bar and like conducts the the music students with one hand with his yeah. stump <laughs> did you find the film repetitive no did I you kept, yeah i mean i just kept i just kept thinking it was like and maybe this is not something theme. else is gonna happen yeah I, I maybe this was the theme of the movie that their life is so monotonous that you literally just go from your house to the post office to the to the pub and that's that's mm. why Siobhan feels like she has to leave. But in terms of the narrative, I just kept, they kept seeming like ping pong balls. Like how many times yeah. are we going to watch the same scene over and over? And yeah, that's kind of the point. Like Brendan Gleeson just being like, leave me the fuck alone. Like catch a hint, bitch. <laughs> I get it. I, I get why, why it happens, but it's still it started to drag me a little bit only that, because I wanted something a little bit more dynamic to be happening, but I get it. How many more times can you just be like, he's not that into you? Yeah, I think it, it, in a way it just seems impossible that he could be that not into him. Like to, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, it made sense to me that you would constantly be like, there's gotta be a way around this. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, give me an example. In my own life, or no, I'm gonna be like, like, have any of you ever had abrupt friend breakups? Because I have, and it does feel that bad. Like, it yeah. does feel that crazy. Yeah, I um, I I told a guy that I couldn't hang out with him anymore because everyone fucking hated him, and oh. he was a social liability. And I talked to him about his attitude and his actions before, and he hadn't made any changes, and he could go fuck off. But like he was a dick 
and deserved it. <laughs> and Colin Farrell is like, he's like, what is wrong with me? And everyone's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're like, you're a little boring. Everyone's a little boring. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You weren't like, you are wasting my precious time on this earth <laughs> by to- being yeah. here. <laughs> right. You know, this guy, yeah. I was like, you're a social responsibility. I'm going to start losing other friends if I don't lose you mm-hmm. and you're not worth it. Like, that's not the Colin Farrell problem. You know, it's. Yeah. Have you ever heard of ghosting? I mean, my God. Ghosting oh. is so much worse, though. I fucking. I think. Yeah, I um, I got ghosted and it made me the most depressed I'd been. It made me more depressed than when my fucking wife walked out on me and my daughter. Yeah, but that's because you hate your wife. Uh, no, when she left, I still liked her. It took a while to learn wow. all mm. the reasons I should hate her. But at least she, like, left and then, like, was still an, a, a, a presence in the world. Like, I got ghosted by someone else, abrupt as fuck, and it was like having my soul ripped out through my heart. But it's the abruptness that's the problem. You just got to slowly. But that's like a fade. A ghosting is. Uh, I am learning so much Brian lore. Um, Oh, the Brian lore is this podcast. podcast. (laughs) We've hit on what? The 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 wife leaving the dead friends the we talked about the drinking years yeah the the survivor's guilt we're going through it all the the single father child rearing. Yes. I do think ghosting is is evil. Not evil. It is cowardly. And that is the thing I hate about ghosting because you make someone else's feelings like you're like, I can't handle. I don't mean ghosting someone that you like went on a single date with. I mean, like ghosting, like people who are in your life. No, because I was, it's like I was a cowardly person. Daily. Sorry, I'm not telling you. I'm right, not saying no, you yes. are doing this. I'm saying like, but for me, like the thing of being like, I'm just going to disappear. And like, that's that's right. that because because it's the lack of closure and people can't make their own decisions or come to their own conclusions unless you're just like forthright. Anyway, that's not what happens in this film, but it's just no. that feeling of desperation being like, I don't understand what can I do differently? I think is something that most people can relate to. And it's like really interesting and not seen in films a lot, particularly not between men, not as friendships, not as, you know, in a period drama. So I think that's something that I, it just sticks out. We've talked a lot on this podcast, or at least I have about like the lack of portrayal of friendships in movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, how like intense they are, and like how meaningful they can be, and um, especially uh, <laughs> that's why you love to... Luca. Yeah, exactly. It's why I love Luca. Luca's great. Luca's just a bunch of friends like going and learning how to be friends with each other. But like, I have people in my life who are only we're all only now realizing like how much more difficult a friendship is. Than like almost any other kind of relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have. A, I find that I, as I as I age as well. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I've I've started talking to someone, and every once in a while, we have to have like a reset to just like go over like this is a friendship, like this is fine, like but we're not usually in a friendship like this, so like everything feels weird and off putting somehow. And it's, it's, it's super strange, like to just be like, no, this is normal for friends to like check in and make sure everyone's okay. And like, that feels like a romantic thing, but it's not because like, that's just the way that like the world and culture over the last however many years has like started to bend is that like, you know, all of these things are like romantic only. Mm-hmm. It's very Well, it's strange. because of everything becomes a subtext, right? Oh like- Yeah. 100 percent 
like, I think I've talked about it before how like in high school, I thought I was gay for like four days. Hmm. Oh, doesn't everybody in high school? I don't know. Probably. Oh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> don't do, like, I was just, I, I had gotten to a point with one of my like male friends where it was, it, you know, it, and if only I had stopped and seen The Fast and the Furious, I would have known that sometimes you really are just like ride or die best bros and you do anything for each other. And it's, you know, maybe homoerotic, but it's not actual like homosexual romantic love. But I was just like, well, according to everything that I know, I'm not supposed to feel this closely connected to a man. So I think I might be gay. And then I was like, no, I'm just like really good friends with this guy and I want like him to have a good life and i believe that he wants me to have one and like that's a good like solid friendship and caring and you, you know. love your bro right yeah it's it's literally the movie i love you man um unfortunately he's one of the people who killed themselves so there's more um. brian lore so like that's a huge thing but we don't get especially in modern movies where we tend more towards romance or like, you know, if it's a superhero movie, you tend towards nothing until someone kisses and everyone's like, woo, yay, it's happening. Episode yeah. 476. <laughs> I think romantic friendship is an interesting concept and it's becoming more literalized. I think as, uh, as our culture is becoming more accepting of same sex relationships. Like we just, my husband and I just saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway. And uh, when the show originally came out, um, the character that's supposed to be Draco Malfoy's kid and the character that's Harry Potter's kid become best friends. Um, and one of them actually like has a crush on like Ron and Hermione's daughter and it's a whole thing. And then they reformatted the show a little bit uh, post COVID so that it's no longer, it's, it's uh, much shorter than it was. And one of the changes that was made is that they removed any romantic interest from Draco's kids uh, toward Hermione and Ron's kid, the, the, a girl, and instead kind of started to make the narrative a little bit more like that. They're suggesting that there was a romantic connection between um, Harry's kid and Draco's kid. It's not explicit. It's very implicit. But the fact that they made this change is like probably as explicit as it's going to get um, that they wanted to take this pure friendship and then kind of lean into what many fans kind of interpreted as like a romance element or a, a romance subtext. So it, it is oh, see, kind of that interesting. Annoys the shit out of me. Like that's, and, that's right. But what it's I'm like, what is represented? Yeah. And that's, I kind of have the same issue, which is like, I do think there's more representation. I want there to be more intentional representation and not mm -hmm. more like the queer baby thing. Right. Um, like I, when this is like, you know, we'll, we'll get back to Banshee's Ministry at some point, I'm sure. But like, I remember back when I watched Marvel movies, like uh captain and Bucky. And I was like, this is great. I love these guys. This is a reflection of the lifelong friendships that I've had with certain people where it's like, you know, my friends were usually like, he's a raging alcoholic with a self-destructive streak. Like, you should leave him behind. And I'm like, I can't. He's my best friend. And in the movies, it was, he's a brainwashed Soviet sleeper agent who's trying to murder the president. I can't. He's my best friend. Like, clearly not a one-to-one -one comparison. But, you know, similar enough where I'm like, this is great. I love this. And then, of course, you go online and everyone's like, when are they just going to have Cap and Bucky fuck? Like, boys don't like each other like that unless they're into each other. And it's just like, guys, come on, like, 
we're allowed to have I I don't think there's anything wrong my my personal perspective is there's nothing wrong with like reading I don't think there's anything wrong with like queer readings of things I think that's fine but I think you're I think we're all on the same page like I totally agree about it's cool and good and useful to have a variety of different relationships and friendships depicted on screen intentionally um, and, and I think if people want to find it gay, that's fine. But if like, <laughs> if they read it, you know, I think it's, you know, whatever about creator's intent, I guess, but yeah, writing, writing intentionally and, and, and creating that. And like, yeah, I don't think many, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's, they sure people will joke, but I don't think anyone's like Banshees is a gay film. Although like, actually I definitely have heard that, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, everyone, you can say that, but I think, you know, you could also, there's, there's a range of ways relationships can go and i think it's it's useful to have what is the gayest moment of this movie according to those interpreters i don't know when colin farrell puts brendan gleason's first finger in a shoebox because he doesn't i do think it's very easy for women Mm. to actually read that that like or women who don't have many male friends or, or obviously women who haven't been in friendships between men because they aren't themselves considered part of that um i think that is a common thing to be like men don't have friendships but then it's also like it's a combination of like what is usually depicted and like what relationships actually are like whereas like i think the same thing happens where lots of like teen girl films now there's that like is it gay and it's like maybe but like everyone has friends like and there's a (laughs) lot of everybody as we've (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like we all have intense friendships and like as you said like maybe it's homoerotic because you're like figuring out who you are or something but fundamentally like, like you know there's like there's a all the all the female comedians on TikTok have at least one part of their set where they bring up how when they meet a guy who they're dating's friends mm-hmm. they realize that like that guy doesn't actually love them he because mm. like I'll just never be loved as much as he loves his friends that is like, so sad. Just, and I'm just like, that's, yeah, oh, well, first of all, there's a lot about everything that's sad. But yeah, they're just like, it's like it is a common, it is a yeah. very common joke construction now to be like, if you think a boy, like, loves you, wait until you go out and, like, have buffalo wings with his friends. Like, then you'll see what his love is really like. He'll remember birthdays, he'll remember this, he'll remember that, but it's all about his friends. You were the third wheel, nobody wants you there. Yikes. <clears throat> and huh. it's, it is because they're just like... They, there's like a conception that like men don't have friendships. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay. I'll ask you this question. And I think Brian, I'm not, I don't think you're an outlier, but uh, Cassidy, okay. mm. does your partner have friends independently of you? Yes. He does have friends independently of me. Okay. Cause that is something a lot of my female friends have sort of lamented about is that their partner oh. either has like one friend or like mm. none friends and, you know, socializes. Yeah, I get that. Their, their part of, I, it does help that we husband. live in a country that he uh, knows I'm not from there. So, um, but <laughs> I, the interloper. I'm the interloper. However, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely see that the way that we talk about our friendships, like eat individually because, and I think a lot of that is gendered, like the way that he, he has his relationships or the way that they're perceived. And I don't know, it's like, it's easier, I think for me as a woman to, express my love and affection for my friends than I think it is for him. And like, yeah. or I don't know, everyone's different. Right. But like, I definitely think that that comes up, but is yours different, Robin? Your situation's different. Uh, my situation is much more the, the typical gendered thing where my yeah. husband, and to be fair, my husband is also very 
introverted and is happy in his lonesome. Like he, mm-hmm. he has joked about, you know, become not becoming a literal Ted Kaczynski, but, you know, moving to a Montana cabin. And you yeah. know, I don't think he would actually do that, but like prepping, he, doing prepping. I think he's fantasized about just living away from mm. society Look, because he's everything that but the bombs and you're fine. Like that's totally great. <laughs> Even the man and you're Thoreau, okay, except Thoreau's mom did his laundry. No yeah, and 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 to be f- also to be fair, my husband's friendships are also they happen to be my friendships because he and I went to high school together, and we were part of the same friend group. So I am very close with the same people that he is mm-hmm. close with. But I am also able to keep up my communication with those people. It's more easy for me to do that than it is for him. He's just. You know, that's not in his DNA in the way it is for me, Um, whether that's gendered or just an extrovert versus an introvert. I'm not sure. Um, But it it is kind of interesting to observe the the friendship and and his closest friendship is probably someone he talks to literally once a year and they have an epistolary relationship. So they're they're just Mm. writing long emails to each other. (laughs) That's like me. I'm, I'm going to see like my two best friends over Christmas break. That's the only time I get to see him because they live in Texas. And (laughs) I'm just going to keep leaning into this. All the Maryland ones are dead. (laughs) You're like, that's the theme now. You you had irons in the fire elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, obviously the guy I work at the distillery with is like, you know, my best friend now. Yeah. We, you know, we, we see each other like almost every day for hours at a time very entwined in one another's life. He got my daughter Christmas presents. So like, yeah, Aww. we're best friends. That's great. But also like at the same time, it's like, we're also business partners and we almost see each other so much that it's hard to believe that we're actually best friends. Cause at this point, if we were friends, I feel like we just would have murdered each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understood. But like, I think yeah. I, when I'm, when I'm in relationships, I tend to, to the, the 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 woman that I'm with usually either has to become a part of my friend group or I like stop seeing my friends. Mm. And um I I could I could find reasons that that's happened. I think some of it is because I tend to Robin's going to give me so much shit for this. I tend to date <laughs> insecure controlling women. Who, Shocker. Yeah, who would have thunk it? So like I'll go out with a guy for like I don't know, an hour and a half just to get dinner or something and then come back and then we'll have to live with three days of a dark mood because the assumption is that I lied about where I was going. Oh my God. That's not ideal. I know. It's not great. Um, And you make fun of my attractions? (laughs) (laughs) Like Domino Gleason sounds great in comparison. (laughs) Very loyal. I mean, yeah, he did still love his ex-wife. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so one thing, I don't know, this was just reminding me how like women, again, this is very essentialist, but like women's friendships with men can also be very different because, you know, I, most of my close friends, probably the majority of my close friends are men. And, you know, I, it is much more easy for me to express my affection than it is for them. And so you know, it's not, I have no problem saying like, I love you and this and that. And it's obviously in a completely, you know, platonic way. And so recently a friend of mine who we're very close with, um, my husband and I, like, you know, I was like, we love you. And he actually said, I, I love you back. And I was like, oh my God, evolution. Like, 
<laughs> like you've grown emotionally, my baby. <sighs> Meanwhile, I was anyway. the guy who the all of my female friends would go in for a hug and I would like sidestep them. Really like, no, thanks. I don't I'm not big on physical affection with people I'm not like romantically involved with. Interesting. I just that's not how I roll. Hmm. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. I mean that's the well, you know, you say that, but then there are the people who are like, that's so weird. I'm gonna hug you anyway. No, no, no you do not violate somebody's personal space. Yeah, well, tell that to almost literally every single female I've ever been friends with. And then all the guys are like, oh, it's like such a good game you're playing where like, you know, you tr- pretend you don't want them to hug you. And then like this whole party oh, that's <laughs> God, is coming up and hugging you. And I'm like, it's not a game. I'm very it's, uncomfortable. It's unwanted. People hugging me. <laughs> God. Which so, again, yeah, it's it's just like, yeah, it's so annoying. Um, <clears throat> and this brings me to a very big question I have about this movie, which is where did the stick with the hook come from? <laughs> what no. is it for? Probably <laughs> hooking things. The sticks lengths away. <laughs> so I feel like uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm just gonna say the writing in this movie is I is the kind of writing that I love. Like the fact that he says like, you know, it's a it's a stick with a hook on it. What do you think it's for? Probably hooking Probably things hooking a stick's things. length away. And I'm just like, I don't know why, but that syntactical construction like scratches some weird itch and like you know, my eyes close and my foot starts kicking. Mm. Like, it's just, like, exactly perfect for me. Every time that, like, the bartender and one other guy and Colin Farrell would be talking, and it'd be like, you know, uh, are you sure you're not rowing? Yeah, Patrick, are you sure you're not rowing? I don't yeah, think yeah. It seems like you're rowing. Maybe we are rowing. I think you're rowing. And it's just, like, it's the kind of thing that, like, Aaron Sorkin does too much, and I think that this movie sprinkles it in, like, just right. So, Robin, you disagree with that. It's too Um, too clean. It's too Asian. Yeah. It's too, yeah. Not to be a a Snydell, but it is a little too neat for me. It's that, it's like that Woody Allen thing where he has to wrap up everything in this like tight little bow of irony and it's all paralleled and, and it's cute. I do think it works for me. I generally agree with you, Robin. Like, I'm definitely generally more a fan of like not more naturalistic. Mm-hmm. writing but i know that like t- everything you know demands its own style this is a style this is the thing and right. i do think it's added i do think it has a level of it working more for me than it would otherwise because of kind of the musicality of the syntax of the way that they're speaking because it's irish because mm-hmm. also a lot of like the irish syntax that they're using actually comes from which is something i learned the kind of like Irish language syntax. So like things are sometimes out of order in like an English syntax. Like they don't really make a ton of sense straightforward or certainly they're not grammatically correct in English. And a lot of that is just like super common. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying Irish. is the whimsy. Some, well, yeah, some of it is certainly forced into, I mean, some obviously the jokes, like the jokes are, are straight jokes. Like those are, you know, they're obviously like <laughs> written to be funny in a way that is, you know, works for some people doesn't. I definitely laughed about the, anything that Dominic said I laughed at basically, even if it was, I think it's partially him, but I think it was really funny. The, oh, are you sure you're, you're not rowing or you think you're rowing? Yeah. Yeah. That sometimes I'd be like, sometimes it would get to a point where I'd be like, all right, like, but I, I, I do, I do understand it. And I do get why people really like it and that it just works for, for a lot of people. And I understand why that works but it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I guess that it's very satisfying. And right. also it's satisfying musically to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Musically it works. And like, uh, like I said, Aaron Sorkin tries to write that way. And I think <laughs> right. like when he was younger and better, he could get away with it. 
Ouch. But, like, you know, nowadays, like, you'll see, like, a the thing, and it's just, like, two people walking, and it's, like, I can't even, I can't even remember. And I'm sure that it happened a lot in Studio 60 in the newsroom. <laughs> just, like, repeating the same fucking thing back and forth to one another. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, for this, there was enough variation, and I think the characters all handled it very well. But, Robin, what were you going to say? Something you hated? Oh, not something I hated per se, but have you noticed that a lot of headlines or think pieces right now are like what this movie says about masculinity or this movie or this TV show is actually about masculinity. And I've seen this lobbed at the white Lotus and the bear and all sorts of things. And I just kind of, and, and this movie, you know, does touch on themes of masculinity, but it's interesting that we never really hear like this movie you know, analyzes femininity. <laughs> like we never, we right. never think about what femininity means. What we seem well, to be really obsessed with what masculinity I, means on a societal level. So I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like most of those things that I see that are like this is what this says about masculinity are usually written by women. Yeah, a hundred percent. And my critique is actually that it's such a. Uh, I don't want to say basic, but. It's a trendy it's a reading. real pumpkin spice latte kind of hot take. Yeah, a, a little bit, I think. I think and and I that think... doesn't, I don't mean you, that you're wrong, Cassidy, because I do think this movie oh, yeah. actually is about those things. But I, it just reminded me that it is very buzzy right now. This, well, yeah. like, this I, think, I mean, you could just as easily say this is about men. Like, right. This is about men. <laughs> right. This movie and should like, be called you know, Men. It's about men and, and it's about and the, the world, you know, worlds created by, you know, men. But I think that, I think the people say, we say masculinity because, you know, it's the masculinity is long considered, you know, whatever it is, what it is. And now we're like, oh, but like, this is how it hurts men is like the, is the idea that masculinity isn't this, you know, ultimately they're just neutral, like both masculine and feminine are just neutral kind of ideas about things, whatever. Right, I think well, they're both just the like neutral. The concept of like toxic masculinity came yeah, up, which right. is like great. Cause it's like, oh, should you like suppress your feelings until you punch a wall and kill yourself? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. then it started getting applied to literally every male trait. Yes. And that yes. right. or like any TV show or, or movie just that happens to star a man. Right. right. And that's and that's like, you know, what what you were saying is like we don't see a lot of like things about this is what this says about femininity. And I wonder if it's because a man would never ever write that. Well, not just um, that, but it, I like, think it's, femininity you know, is still a dark word for many people that this idea that um and also because I think some people would see a headline like that and think, well, what about I don't know. Like, well, I think honestly, frankly, outside of the of the gender binary, I, that I mean that as well. But I think for me, when you say feminine, like often because I think it's coded as an inverse and it's used as a cudgel against feminism. Mm-hmm. So often it's used as like femininity as somehow being a fundamentally tradi- like fundamentalist traditionalist. Yes. Whereas you think of masculinity as like yeah, like sure they're also they're both fun they're both very essentialist they're both kind of fundamentalist and saying like this is this, but I think. We're like, oh, there's so much, there's like a rich loam to think about masculinity because we haven't done that that much. And then with femininity, it's like, we've been telling women what they are, you know, what women are for a while. And now it's like the inverse of that is not to analyze that further. We've been telling further. men what they are for a long time. Right. And that's, that that's kind of where I'm coming at. Never got tired of it. 
Like, <laughs> I, I'm being completely honest. Like, we fucking love it. Like, we love being told how to be a man. Like, that's great for us. Like, we don't, that answers all of our questions. You know? Like, we pick up a magazine and it's like, hey, beards, pocket knives, and like you're like sounds good right and i'm like that's great this is perfect for me like oh a man has like a small leather chat book in his back pocket so he can write down his silent thoughts and i'm like great i'm already doing that this is perfect like we i already fit in but but masculinity is such a fixed concept in the way that people uh, really push against femininity you know because it, as soon as you bring up that word people are like oh but what about you know people who f- who are a women or identify as women or have fem- feminine traits that that fall outside of that and so suddenly femininity has to become flexible but masculinity is always kind of seen with the with the very same um i don't know this sounds like a you problem <laughs> <laughs> is it a me problem? I don't think it's a no, me problem. No, I mean like a you, like a women problem. Like, I don't oh, know. Oh, like, yeah. I, well, it it's, is... a, it's a problem of being in a society that not, I don't just like, oh, the patriarchy, but, you know, even people <laughs> who um, push back on the patriarchy tend to overlook some of these issues, which is the fact that there's nothing wrong with femininity. What's wrong is when people are told they have to be one thing or another, but then then suddenly femininity becomes this dirty word because nobody can really define it anymore. Right. Well, I think it's there's a certain react reactivity to it that people, yeah. you know, I, it, basically what you just said. I don't know. Like, I, I think that people have somehow twisted the idea that the feminine is bad and you should, like, go away from it. And that is then mm-hmm. that has then been twisted by other people to mean like, well, femininity, as Cassidy was saying, is like the opposite of feminism. Like feminism wants you to be like an androgynous lumberjack. I don't know. <laughs> and like, you know, we want you to be a pink skirted poodle dressed like 1950s cheerleader. My analogies. I mean, it's it's definitely the it's it's definitely the fight between the the waves of feminism. It's really what comes. I do think it's men are generally still like I would love to chop down a tree, catch a fish. Well, it's like gender roles bad. Gender roles Mm -hmm. do benefit men more. (laughs) Like that's the idea. Is like they're both they're both restrictive. They both hurt people. They both are like generally what we're discussing. But just that I think more men benefit from sticking to that role generally. Well, so, Robin, this is interesting because this is like what we were talking about at Don't Worry, Darling, mm-hmm. where I was saying that a more interesting version of that movie. Um, Cassidy, did you see Don't Worry, Darling? I did. Yes. Okay. Um, on that episode, I had said that a more interesting version of that would be if she had entered into that situation willingly and mm-hmm. was unaware of it because right. along with this conversation that we're having now, during that episode, I talked about this kind of like snap back to these women who want to be more traditionally the trad wife trad wife type of thing mm. and <clears throat> yeah it's it's a it's a big it's a big thing of people basically having the same conversation we're having now and being like i don't know what it's supposed to be i i do wish that i just knew having a goal to shoot for would be great and I'm very, very unhappy right now. <laughs> and, um, I agree that would have made that movie more interesting. I mean, that's like the that's funny because that's the Olivia Wilde character, kind of. I know it's like a more about spoilers, yeah. like a loss in her life. Yeah. But I think that her character is more interesting. It's like, oh, she's like complicit and she's like making decisions, and yeah. that's a little bit more Florence interesting Pugh's, about 
the whereas this whereas that film is like what if women were enslaved it's like they are <laughs> like they are like right now like yes. what is what are you saying in your like fictional world it's like oh because they're like white and have money like it's just right. bizarre to me it's like handmaid's like, tale all over yeah again. it's just a little bit like yeah that happens um yeah. it's not saying anything new about that area i agree that would have been yeah and there was the it just didn't hit as hard because it would have been much more quote-unquote shocking if florence pugh's character you know kind of got the taste of the medicine that she thought she needed and it didn't go down so easily mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. right. but another thing that annoyed me about that movie is that olivia wilde's character that you just described like the only reason that she wanted to go into this world was because she wanted to be closer to her children so it still wasn't it was still all about the reproductive that's true aspect yeah. but not really like the social benefits that she thinks she would have mm-hmm. in this environment so it was, it was a little um i don't know i've just I'd, i've seen that storyline before i mean wasn't that the whole avengers thing with scarlett johansson you know that her, all her motivations were about like her progeny or, i and, never saw the black or lack movie, thereof but it is it is bananas how much like fucking damage joss whedon did including that bullshit in that one movie where he's just like just like the whole thing about like oh yeah like the all the all the the russian ballerina murderers got hysterectomies or whatever and then she says something about being a monster and everyone thinks it's about that when it could also be about all the people she's murdered and he's just such a poor writer that (laughs) no one will ever i have not seen that movie but i oh my god I'm not upset that you're talking about it. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's it's so dumb. But yeah, that's, yes. So to Robin, to answer your question, like sort of, but also like who knows, those movies change so much from movie to movie. I, there's, there's no consistent characterization ever. It's uh, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah, understandable. So, um, but so, well, you, so how did we get into this? Because you had you had said like, oh, there's constantly things about what does this say about masculinity? Like, I don't know what, like, do you want more hot takes about femininity or do you want the hot takes about masculinity to stop? I just know. I, well, number one, yes, because they're just so trite. But and it's like it's not the only way to read a story about a man like that has like a story about a man that has emotions. You know, people are just like, oh, it, it, you know, this movie um, is really taking a deep look at masculinity because this guy has like a trauma background. I'm like, mm. no. And also maybe there should be more discussion culturally about what is femininity. And I think it tends, the question tends to be erased because as soon as you bring up that word, then all the whataboutism starts and people just don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the new novel uh, lessons by Ian McEwen kind of, kind of wrestles with that a little bit because the the guy his his wife walks out on him and his two year old, which did not strike me as familiar at all. I really couldn't get in with this character at all. Um, and he he like he writes a lot about how he's like in the quote unquote like you know wronged woman's role. Like this isn't supposed to happen mm-hmm. to the man. Like and he's he feels very like unsure of what to do with himself he's like i don't know that i was meant to do this like no one should ever have to do this but like there's not even a section in society for me which is again not anything that i ever felt (laughs) well isn't a fleischman in trouble about this well sort of oh my god yeah this has been a great year for movies about also uh, not 
derelicting their duty. <laughs> I, not to, I won't spoil anything, but that is the context plot of Hold Me Tight as well. Hmm. I don't well, know that. What is? Um, I don't know how to say it in French. It's a French film. Um, okay. It's the Vicky Crepes uh, uh, right. film uh, directed by Vincent Lindon, right? No, not Vincent Lindon. What's his name? Oh, the Matthew other- Merrick? Matthew Elmerick, yes, thank you. Sorry, Vincent London is not direct. Um, a woman one day simply walks out on her family. Or does she? Or That's does she? Line. It's a very good movie. Um, would recommend in, the, in that vein. I will have to check that out. So, okay, let's veer a little to the only real female character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your take on Siobhan? Oh, I thought you were going to ask about the Banshee. She's not even a thing. She's <laughs> the, the Yenta. Funny old woman. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. I love her. Um, um, I also love uh, Siobhan. She's great as well. You love a sharp tongue woman. Oh my God. Yeah. I would, if I had walked into a library on the mainland uh, <laughs> and saw and saw Carrie Condon as Siobhan. Music I'd man all over again. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I would immediately start singing 76 trombones. Is that how many trombones there were? Mm. All right. Well, I'll look that up while other people give their opinions. I think, um, again, I'm going to be mean. I think she does great as being all of the women in our. <laughs> I yes. think she's like, no, I think she's, I think, I honestly, yeah, I think the performance is strong. I think. I do a little bit think they're like, oh, they gave her all the good lines and she's perfect. So she gets to win or whatever, but, or at least like some of the reception about her. But I think that she does, you know, Siobhan as a character, I think really resonates with me, or at least I think connects in terms of like having to be, she carries so much of the emotion of the film. And I think she's also sort of like an audience vehicle in many ways, because we're like Mm -hmm. this thing on the outside and she's fundamentally, you know, she's ostracized from this kind of little fight in the society because she's a woman. And also because she sees what's going on. Yeah. And she's, she's, yeah, she's bright and she has process. She wants to have a future and, you know, they deal with her being like, you know, the fact that she's lonely or the fact that she isn't, she doesn't have a partner. She doesn't have children. She doesn't have like really close friends or anything. And she's like, I really want more for myself, but also she's looking in and she really obviously cares about Horig and they lost their parents. And I, that affection comes through, but I think she's that audience stand in and that we're like, yeah, what is going on here? These people are idiots. What are they fighting about? Blah, blah, blah. So I think she really gets to fill that in. And she does a good job. I think she's funny. I don't like that everyone loves the you're all feckin' boring. And I'm like, yeah, they are. But I don't know. I'm just kind of mean about that a bit. But I think <laughs> she's she's good. And I do like her more in this than she gets a lot more to do here than I've seen her get in any other role I've seen her in. I yeah. really liked her it's, in Luck, if anyone ever watched Luck, the HBO show. I haven't, no. You were like the one person who watched that show. I and like maybe Jordan. Every episode of it was super excited for season two. Very sad all those horses died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, the only thing the show was known for. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I really agree with you, Cassidy, that Siobhan gets a sort of a saintly 
viewpoint, not, not because she's a saint really as a person, but because she's the only person who has a brain cell. I mean, I think, well, brain, Brendan Gleeson does, but then he goes so off the rails that he's more of a character character than a person. Um, I don't know. I think she has a really big task of having to be like the only quote unquote sane one in the room. And women are often expected to be that way. And because she has like really no flaws, it may be her one flaw is that she abandoned her brother, but that's not even like a flaw. <laughs> that's just survivalism. Like she just had to like fucking get out of this completely isolating and stifling town. Um, but I still think that she's, she's like, eh, you know, quote unquote, more evolved than the rest of a, the rest of us will ever be. Like, that's how I kind of think that Martin McDonough sees her. And that's, you know, not, that's um, not exactly complex. Yeah, I agree. I think she's, she fits neatly into that kind of like, she's still an archetype, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. she's, yeah, I think as a character, she's, she's fun, but she's not exactly like, it doesn't really matter. I feel like at the, at the end of the day for me, for this film, who any of these people really are, because they're all just kind of like representing different ideas and kind of like, then their emotions come out. And I still think that works, but I don't really have more thoughts about her as a character. Cause I don't really know who she is. And that's you. the thing. Like, I don't know if I felt like emotionally connected to anybody, maybe mm. Barry Keegan's character, but mm. even then that's more of an observational emotion yeah. than uh, an empathetic emotion. I would I say I was, I was tied me. to Colin Farrell's character. I was very moved when he cried over his donkey. more sad about the donkey dying than his grief that's bizarre to me okay um like you were you don't think that the the, the worth of the donkey was more sad like the the worth of its life was more sad than him just being like mad about both he's clearly he clearly loved that donkey yeah (laughs) and like you know i like my dog died last year i love that dog and like my present dog I I am I also love so like you know I I think about like losing her that would be that'd be awful. Hmm. I'm like a never pets person hashtag never pets. Oh, you don't I, have any pets. I've had a pet in my life and it and it very ended very tragically. Oh, um, sorry. Oh no, it's fine. And I also just like my house the way it is. And I feel like I don't need another element. You don't want to let in all your farm animals to your porridge. Yeah. Like I don't need your hair and I don't need your smells and I'll probably have enough problems if we have a kid and, you know, with Sharpies and shit like that. So yeah, I'm good. Okay. I like animals. I also like eating them. I don't know. So you're worried um, if you get a pet, you'll eat it. No, I just mean like I, I sometimes struggle morally that like we we as a society and whatever that society may be value certain animals over others. Like you love your pet, but then don't care that the animal you're eating was like factory farmed and you know, it's like suddenly one thing has more worth than the other, just because like it has some neoteny or some level of cuteness 
that the other thing doesn't. I mean, cows are cute as shit. I still eat them. I don't know. Yeah, but do they have the same level of cuteness? I mean, yeah, it's all fundamentally arbitrary cultural distinctions. That, that that's all I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 we being like I don't know Western society, like it's different around the world. I think this, I don't another thing is that it's easier it's to be a companion with a dog than it is to be a companion with a cow. Yeah, and that's because of the well, I disagree Size. with that, but. <laughs> But yeah, yeah these say. animals have evolved in a very particular way along with humans okay, but like, in a even if really a, beneficial e- way. Even if we were to go back a couple thousand years, I feel like a wolf would still be easier to get along with than some sort of like 20 foot tall plains bison, you know? And a bovine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these animals have different intelligence levels. They have different uh, levels of beauty. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, but like i have a lizard and a snake too so clearly i'm and i think the snake is adorable as hell snakes are really cute to me yeah cora and i fed the snake today and cora was petting the snake beforehand and she was talking to the snake almost like it were a kitten it was adorable oh like, i mean i do think those animals are cute i think piglets are adorable and i also like oh well any baby animal is adorable you gotta if it if it's still cute when it's like 14 years <laughs> old that's that's a good point. That's yeah. so cute when it's 14. No. They get gross. Um, so orangutans? I don't know. Like, all great apes like orangutans are do live horrifying. pretty long. <laughs> yeah, like, they're still cute. No, they're weird faces and everything. Lions are cute. They're charismatic. I don't think they're cute. They're very boopable. I don't know what you're talking about. You think a lion is a boopable? I mean, they're felines, right? It's a forbidden boop. (laughs) The forbidden boop. Oh my god. Um, Speaking of pets, the dog, uh, the border collie. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Adorable. Cutest. He's really cute. Uh, The donkey was cuter. I like when the when the when when the the banshee is like, "Don't kill his dog." (laughs) <laughs> and he was like stop putting evil thoughts in my head what is wrong with you yeah, stop putting thoughts in my head that weren't there to begin with thank you yeah you have a mind for the quotes I do in a way that I do not <laughs> I really liked this movie yeah no um, it's, it's I told you to watch it dude like you're welcome I wasn't not gonna watch it what the fuck no it's all about me <laughs> telling you to watch I, this movie I am I am <laughs> obsessed with both Colin Farrell and like, Brendan <laughs> Gleeson and Carrie Condon and I have liked every movie at and you love melancholia stuff. and like existentialism both, yeah I was about to say both the existential <laughs> feeling and the movie so like why wouldn't I watch this I don't know but yeah, you no. did watch it after I recorded it so. oh my god you know what <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I don't. I want all the credit. I basically made this movie. Yes, one hundred percent. Without you, this movie would be nothing. I would love to take a moment to talk about since we keep talking about these characters being allegorical and stand-ins. Mm. The movie takes place during the Irish Civil War, and the mm-hmm. Irish. Civil War oh, here you go, Cassidy. Team me up. Go off, girl. And the Irish Civil War is happening off stage and is mentioned frequently. Um, uh, a joke that I laughed at was when the policeman was like, I'm going to go oversee an execution of a couple of the free staters are killing the IRA. Or is it the other way around? I can't remember. And I was just like, yep, that feels right to me. Um, but yes. So, Cassidy, would you like to open us up here? Sure. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think, you know, 
McDonough here is, I think it's an interesting one because yeah, it's set during, it's set at the very end of the Irish civil war. It's set in this, I think it's the spring of 1923. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and like repeatedly, right. Like the, the Island that they're on, they're like, Oh, it's this little Island. And like over on the mainland, blah, blah, there's all this stuff happening. And like, obviously they're referring to the Irish civil war, but I think it is very clearly, and which is a bit funny, right? Because it's an allegory for the war, I think, while also being set during the war. So it's like quite a literal thing as well. But I think, uh, first of all, I don't want to sound like <laughs> Taylor Swift because Taylor Swift did that directors on directors conversation with McDonough. And she was like, what do, what do you think the fingers represent? And he was like, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> and I like, <laughs> everyone's like, he's trolling her. And I was like, yeah, but she's also kind of trolling him. I was like, to be fair, I was like, I was like, I was like, they're both being stupid. Like, I was how I felt about that. I was like, they're both being a little bit ridiculous. But she was like, what do the fingers represent? Well, I'll tell you, Taylor, what I think <laughs> they represent. Because McDonough right. will not have that conversation with you. I just think, I think fundamentally, the whole film, right? Yes, it's about everything we've talked about. It is about, you know, friendship and aging and kind of like realizing your mortality and like, what do you do in the face of that? But in a very literal sense, it is about the Irish Civil War and what it did to Ireland, like as a nation. And uh, I think it is is relevant that it's set like exactly a hundred years ago. Um, and I think this is a for me. I think the reason that that allegory is somewhat lost on, not to speak too broadly, but many Americans who just aren't super familiar with what Ireland is today, including like what, me, what Irish politics look like. Um, what the history of Ireland is outside of the war of independence and the idea of the civil war. Uh, But fundamentally uh, for those who don't know, like the two major parties um, in Ireland today are Fianna Fáil and Finn Gael. And those two parties are very, unlike most kind of two party States in the world, those parties are really similar. Uh, They're both like center, center, right parties. And they're really just, two different sides of the, they're just two different sides of the Irish civil war. Uh, the party's just born out of two different sides of the civil war. Civil war was, as we've touched on between pro-treaty and anti-treaty factions um, of people who were fundamentally on the same side in the war of independence. So, you know, you won, you won that. And then you're like, okay, should we ratify this treaty? Uh, and then some people said yes. Uh, and some people said no. And this is all very simplified. Uh, but essentially, the film is suggesting to me uh, that it was all idiotic and, you know, it was about nothing. But, you know, it was essentially about two friends, you know, these people who were on the same side, who spent their lives together and who were, you know, in quotes, fighting for their country together. But essentially, you know, have this deep history together, f- fracture over nothing but pride and like an idea of legacy um, more than anything real, because so much of the film is spent being like, why is Calm doing this? Uh, like, I don't understand. Like, we're, we're such deep friends. And then, you know, there's Calm's like, oh, I just don't like you. I don't think you're very smart. I don't want to spend the rest of my life. But it's fundamentally him being like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life not achieving things I want to achieve. So I think, in a, the, I don't think it maps super well across the actual factions, which I think is fine and also part of the reason it doesn't super work you could argue probably that uh boreg would be like pro-treaty like let's all just get along and then column is like anti-treaty where he's like no i i need to do this for my legacy and like this is what's right and like i'm gonna ruin everything it's despite it right he's like i have a very short time 
you know, yeah. if if I if I spent my time going on with you, this tune that I've created would not exist. Which is very much like, look, we have the momentum. Like, why are we? Yeah. Why are and we I think going the, for this two state? Whatever the yeah, like, this is nonsense. Right. Let's fucking keep going. Let's just go for and it's it. Like, and you I, don't understand. Yeah. The World War One is over. We need to finish this now, or they're going to come and crush us. Right. Yeah. And I th- and I think the cutting the the finger thing right is quite literal in that way, where it's like, you know, the cutting off your nose to spite your face. Right. Yeah. He's like, I will hurt myself. And I will, I will prevent myself from even to. developing that legacy right, just yeah. because of principle. And I think that's what he's arguing. He's suggesting about Ireland because fundamentally Ireland was absolutely devastated by the civil war. Those politics and those factions exist today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Sinn Féin as a party is quite successful now. Like that's a whole other thing, but yeah. um, fundamentally, and I, you know, I, when I, when I first discussed this film with one of my good friends who is born and raised in Dublin, she's about my age. And she said, she, he said, she's, you know, he's right. This is what's, this is why, you know, young people leave Ireland. This is why I don't want to live in Ireland. Or this is, you know, this is what's, this is what's wrong is that there's just two, two parties. You're on the same fucking side and you can't get over it, you know? So I think that that rings true for so many people. And part of that is true. But for me, it it feels very, it's cynical in a way that I think is just not how I feel. And it's also, uh I don't know. It doesn't have any sort of, I think it's quite, con- it can be quite condescending and quite uh, reductive as well to suggest that something as, as major as a political conflict is, it didn't matter and you ruined your own country and look what you did. And, you know, this is sort of uh, this contempt, as I think I've said to Robin before, for for Ireland. Um, and listen, I'm not going to get into the, I, I, I as an American don't get to get into the Irishness of McDonough. Uh, he was, you know, <laughs> he's born to Irish parents, raised in the UK. Um and he makes a lot of movies about Ireland. Uh, and obviously, I know he considers himself Irish, uh, but it's just a funny one. And I think it just doesn't stick with me politically. Like, it doesn't always work. And I think it's also lost on many audiences. So then I think he kind of just sort of gets away with it being vague and kind of mean. And I think uh, the lack of a knowledge about the party system probably influences, you know, or just 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 the, uh, you know, the last hundred years of Irish history. Um and, you know, does it matter? Does it, you know, does it, it doesn't need to matter. It doesn't need to be, you know, that's just one reading or that, you know, and as he'll say, oh, I didn't mean any of that, you know, who cares? <laughs> um, but I think he's, you know, I think he's, he's putting it in front of you with the, oh, over there, they're fighting. And I think like the mainland in this instance is, you know, over there where we can escape and, and the island of Ireland is, is in Isharan, which is this, you know, tragic, like place that's destroying itself. It's just very sad to me. It's very bitter. Well, that's the other worst part is that like the place that you could escape to is tearing itself apart, but just like in a yeah. different, perhaps more meaningful way. Mm. So like the grievances, yeah. which on Inishir are petty, at least if you go to the mainland, they're like meaningful and I don't want to say worth it, but like worth it, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't just come down to like, this guy won't stop talking to me. So I'm going to cut off my fingers. It comes down <laughs> to like. How shall we, you know, t- t- completely set out our whole new government right. of ourselves? And like, shall but we leave our brothers in the north I, undefended? Yeah. Like, you know, at least that has got That's like true. some. I never thought of it like that. I kind of thought that he was more suggesting that their grievances are as petty as those of of the of the fighters as the you know, the joke of like oh some free state lads come the iron lads like it's like oh who cares like we don't care like we don't care either there is no moral cause here it's just well, whatever like all but, the inishirin people like you know the the who like no one on inishirin is like oh god like you know 
the free state forever or like, you know, IRA, yeah. like, yeah. You know, like they're all just like, I don't know, at some point that's going to end. And then maybe we can go there and get some work. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Carrie Condes doesn't say like, oh, thank God the free staters are finally going to put down this rebellion. Right. So like you can come and get a job. She's like, at some point this will just end full stop. Who gives a shit? And you can come and get a job right. once the fighting is over. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, you know, my father is, um, like hundred percent Irish, um, was born here, but his father was born in Ireland. Um, but like he's, he's been a study of the whole like last 150 years of Irish history, his like whole life. And so I probably walked into this movie with more knowledge than a lot of people. So I, you know, it, it, in learning it's 1923, I was like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Let's see how this goes. And like hearing about the fighting on the mainland and literally hearing the fighting on the mainland and then just getting all those pieces. I was like, it feels not totally correct. Like it, it, it is easy to feel it trying to draft like a whole one-to-one comparison, but it, I had the same kind of issue with like i'm not sensing how this is grafting like it can't be like this is there's like there needs to be some actual philosophical difference it can't just be like you know that they're basically the same but one of them is uh, you know and and so you know listening to you talk about it and fleshing that out like i could see that but i do feel almost like he's saying that like at the root of almost every major conflict is something like this, but then it becomes like, well, what is the split about is the split? I'm bored with you. And I want to like make my own thing is the split. We have very different ideas of how we're supposed to like have this government be set up. (laughs) Like, yeah, I find it. I think it, if you take it away, like it's a, it's, it's an Irish film and it's hard to decouple it from, from Ireland and, and that history. But I do think that if you like take it all together, it's just kind of like vaguely anti-war. <laughs> like it's not like, it's not very, you know, I, that's, I think that's my issue is that not that it's politically wrong or some, or, or in any way, something that I think is like morally reprehensible, but it just doesn't have a very strong political it doesn't have a very strong political perspective for something that is fundamentally about a war. And I think that's my issue that it's like about a war, but it doesn't really want to be. And it's just like kind of using it as a backdrop. Well, I think cause at the bottom of every war are human beings. And like, even, even though there are the political aspects, like the people who get up and fight will have their personal reasons for it. And so to me watching the kind of escalation in this movie you know, again, it's not a perfect one-to-one grafting, but like, you know, the movement from don't talk to me, I'm going to cut my fingers off. I've cut my fingers off and <laughs> like now your donkey is dead and now I'm going to burn your house down. And, you know, at some point, uh, Brendan Gleeson says like, you know, don't worry about it. It's a relief. My fingers are gone. Whatever. Let's call it the end of it. And he's like, oh, no, we're just you getting started. Open the goddamn genie's bottle. Or the Banshee's Warren or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> your fat fucking fingers killed my donkey. So I'm going to go burn your house down. Um, let's get this going. Like, this is the start of it. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, that that escalation. Like, that, I mean, there's got to be a first disagreement <laughs> that then spirals out of control. Um I think an interesting companion piece to this movie would be the wind that shakes the barley. 
for obvious yes. reasons. In my opinion, a much uh, a stronger film. Uh, but I would, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I yeah, I mean, of course. Like, I, mean, I was all, immediately but... after this. Um, I went and watched Michael Collins for the first time. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. wow! So you've just been yeah. Which I mean. is which is I was like oh, I gotta watch Michael Collins. I'm like damn Liam Neeson is tall. Um, <laughs> and then I was like he's a very tall. Man. Apparently he has a very large PP. Oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. He's Good massive for him. Um, um, <laughs> but then that film is like, what if at the heart, again, it's like, that's a lot of war films. It's like, what if there were two sides and there were friends, but then they loved the same woman. And that woman was Julia Roberts. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Um, well, not like, her I first mean, one. Didn't she also play Mary Riley? She, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yes. She mm. did play Mary Riley in the movie, Mary Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Based um, on the character Mary Riley. Anything went in the nineties. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, no, my my dad for the longest time. In fact, I he's not listening to this, and this probably won't get posted till after Christmas anyway, so it doesn't matter. I got him a book on the IRA for Christmas. Ah, you um, got him a book. Nice. I nice. Yeah, uh, I think it was Tom, uh, Tom something. I can't remember. That sounds right. <laughs> right. Yeah, a book about the IRA Tom, written by a man so, named so and Tom. So. Um. Con- I don't know. Anyway, but uh, like every year I get him something and usually it's something related to Ireland and this period. Where's history. your grandfather from? You said it's your grandfather. Oh, crap. I used to. Know oh, it's this. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think I know off the top of my head. Wait, and my dad wait what's that word? You can come back us? to me. Chumley. Chummy. Chumsy. Oh, uh, Colchi. Culty, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this isn't a thing that I taught you. This no, is- you taught me nothing. I know everything. Only Cassidy teaches me things. Culty, like how okay. to pronounce people's names. <laughs> um, uh, Cassidy, I'll have to get back to you with that information. That's fine. You, you can DM it's, me. It is funny though. Yeah, I will one hundred percent do that. Um, by dad when he took his twenty three and me or whatever. You know, because he's as all retired men must do. Yeah, they love to give their data. You got to start doing their their genealogy. Um, and he took the swab and he sent it in. And you know how like you'll get like when I got it, for instance, I had little blobs all over the American Midwest for the the native aspect of me. A little like sprinkling in France and Switzerland and Sweden and Norway and Italy and blah blah blah. My dad's was singularly a big dot in a single town in ireland jesus it was incredible he had nothing else you are very inbred my friend uh yeah i guess so Um, why you aren't but maybe your dad is yes yeah good point point. that explains how (laughs) smart he is though um what was i gonna say yeah all that brain power getting real insular well, you know, if you 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 get the inbreeding enough to the point where it's like a coin flip, it's either going to be like genius, it's going to be great or terrible. Yeah. Or a well, I can guarantee cannibal. you, I am fairly inbred. Like people with my genetic background, I think we started with like three hundred people that crossed the the Danube. Oh, <laughs> like a thousand. I was going to say the Red Sea, and then I couldn't think if that was <laughs> no. It's, it's like most Ashkenazic Jews. Uh, began with like 300 people who went westward uh, oh hey happy rather, hanukkah eastward. by the way oh thanks i gotta <laughs> go light one of those i gotta light one i bought some candlesticks i'm a very very sunday, tiny right? menorah yeah it started sunday, on sunday but night. the problem yeah. is that we didn't have candles I see. and our menorah is like 
minuscule. Like it's basically a portable menorah. And so I couldn't, oh. I didn't know where to find. I basically had to buy birthday, birthday candles. candles. Yeah, there you it go. took me a while to put this together. Um, Meanwhile, I'm sitting here and I'm just like birthday candles. Immediate. Yeah, but um, the candles are like they're such an ugly colors and it just it feels undignified, but especially if you get the ones that you can't blow out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I just bought the cheap ones from the store, but gotcha. Um I, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, but like my like, you know, so the like I, I got him a thing about Michael Collins. I got him a D, the DVD of Michael Collins. I got him a early autobiography or biography of Eamon Day Valera. This like, is feeling like almost like a microaggression against your dad. What? You're just, like, identify, you're just that's what you do with dads. You identify their interests and you cater to them. Like, that's how I've befriended every dad I know. Like, I'm like, here, like, you like this. Like, yeah. How many how dads goes. are you buying presents for? Um, My own, John's dad. That's kind of it. But okay. I don't know. My, my brother is a dad. I okay. figure out his interests. I go for it. I just, that's kind of the, you know, this, there's a stereotype about dads being easy to buy gifts for because they they're are, like, this yeah. is my hobby. Cater to it. Right. I mean, I, hmm. I, we got him all of the gear he needed for ammunition reloading. I've got him all of the books in the Horatio Hornblower series. I've, I'm running out of stuff. There was one year I thought I was like super clever because I remember him when I was a child talking about how much he wanted to do bonsai when he uh, retired. Oh, that seems like such a thing my husband would love. Oh, yeah. So so I said Meditative. I, I get a bonsai kit for him and I'm telling everyone, I'm like, I did it this year, master stroke. I finally got him the bonsai thing. And everyone just looks at me like I'm out of my mind. Like, what are you talking about? He's never talked about bonsai. I don't think he even knows what bonsai is. Like, what do you what did you do? Like, why why bonsai? Why would you ever think that your father would want <laughs> oh, bonsai? false memory syndrome? Classic. And I was well, so I was like freaking out. I was like, oh shit. Did I like fall asleep in the car with like a commercial on with him <laughs> sitting? Like and then he opens the, the gift after like three days of everyone being like, he's not gonna fucking like that. Like, what's wrong with you? You're a moron. And he opens it. He's like, oh, bonsai. I've always wanted to do this. And I Aww. just like was stood up and I was like, in your fucking faces, all of you. <laughs> that is a very thoughtful gift. So good yes. that no one even remembered it. I know. It's like, I'm the only one who listens to him. Anyway. Um, but yeah, this year I went back to the IRA well. <laughs> it's a deep well. It's There's a lot there. Uh, a lot this is there. the man who I woke up because uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day almost always falls on spring break. Um, so I was home from college and I woke up and he was downstairs and he was listening to Sinead O'Connor singing Foggy Dew. (laughs) As you do. Isn't this a great song? Doesn't it make you want to go blow up the British embassy? And I was like, yeah, 100%. St. Patrick's Day is a bank holiday in Ireland. So I'm world planning her that you have off. We were just saying at work today, how we don't have a holiday in March and how St. Patrick's Day doesn't count because you don't get off. Yeah, in Ireland. Ireland's holidays are so well spaced out. It's amazing. I need mm. to move to Ireland. You should just for the space um, of the holidays. Yeah, but the uh, also recently, uh, uh, Fine Gael, which is Michael Collins's party. I guess it was for the. I don't know what anniversary it was, but they just like they paid to just put Michael Collins in cinemas again. And I was just like, it was like a partnership between the party and like one of the movie theaters. And I was like, why is this playing? And that was why. I didn't realize it was a a movie with a long lasting legacy. I don't even know that it is, uh, but it's just one of the few like hmm. movies made about 
that period, I would say. It's certainly one of the more famous ones. I mean, besides the one that shakes the barley, which is I'll be honest, like the only one, the palm. So, yeah, that I mean, but that was one of those movies where people were like, oh, this is very clearly like an allegory for the war in Iraq. And then I watched it and I was like, I don't know, man, this feels like it graphs pretty well onto just. This feels like it's just about what it's, it's own about. subject right. matter. Like, I feel like you could sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? But it's also in that thing where it's like, yeah, sure. Like if you want to say, like you know, a larger superpower, occupation, insurgency, whatever. Like yeah, but like that's just the history of the human race. You're like that's just colonialism, my guy. Right. Like that's just sure. Like there's parallels. Yeah, and honestly, like you know, if you needed a crash course in like what the fuck was going on with all of that stuff, you could do worse than that movie. Like. Yeah. I think I, th- I I know a lot of people who are like, look, after they get the black and tans out, the movie kind of falls apart. Mm. And I'm like, no, give me that scene where they're arguing with a grocer over his mistreatment of his renters. And I love it. <laughs> like, I, I love I love uh, um, Killian Murphy. Yeah. Just like going full radical. And mm-hmm. his brother's just like, oh, crap, what have I done? Like, he was supposed to go to London to become a doctor, and now he's become, like, a, a hardcore Marxist. Ugh, God, what a great movie. If I yeah, didn't have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I would watch it right now. The only, uh, I would say, screen representation I've seen of this time period was actually on... Um, Titanic. Oh, God, of course, I just lost Please the movie. Please do not say... Oh, go ahead. What, what Titanic? No, I was gonna say Boardwalk Empire. That's it. Oh, fine. Yeah. No, yeah. I was gonna say that, don't say Downton Abbey. Oh, fuck no. Because <laughs> oh, it is there. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we meet at a Downton Abbey event? Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh my god. You remember that? Yes. That was fun. That was really good. Oh my god. Yeah. Cakes. I forgot it because there was like that the like the tour of like the the fake yes. recreations <laughs> and the costumes was in Boston. Yeah. And we talked. Yeah. Wow throwback kind of go that's no, like pre-pandemic just like thomas or whatever his name is like the the mm-hmm. irish footman who in spoilers for the first movie stops an assassination of the king which is the most tory shit you could write yeah in the world um yeah. anyway. what? but he's also like he he fully turned like tom's whole character is about just upward mobility and <sighs> losing your you know your whole purpose in life yeah because he married Rich. He did. And then she died. And then he got even more ingrained into the family because yeah. he started working for them. But but say Levy, that's Downton for you. I never watched a single episode of Downton Abbey. That's probably for your benefit. I loved it, but it's like the worst show politically. Oh in yeah. The world. I love Downton. Don't get <laughs> yeah. me wrong. Like I've seen yeah. both movies in theaters extremely enthusiastically. And also like I know what dog shit is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, shit. What was I going to say? I, the, the, uh, the freaking PE blinders is like this period too, right? I've never I've seen I've only blinders. watched the first season and it was not <laughs> that I'm pretty sure they're all like, oh, the war. Uh, but they're not actually Irish. They're no, they're all English, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even Except though Killian Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> but his character is like English, right? I can't remember. I watched the first season and I enjoyed it. Um, okay. And then I never watched the rest of it. Are we sure he's not Irish? His last name is Shelby. Is that an English name? I, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be an immigrant, though. Like, or I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be like living. Like, it's in the UK, and I thought he was English in it, but you know what? 
this is verifiable and I'm not going to talk out of my ass. I don't There's know. There's bound to be a Wikipedia about this. This so. is, uh, it's always on Goggle. Are you guys familiar with Gogglebox? No, I'm, no. What is it? Is, it is like an Irish, is it also English? Probably. Um, program where you watch people watch TV. So oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like families and different households, like they have cameras in them. That's not like a secret. Oh, it's like, I have heard of it. It's this. like reality TV where you watch people react to television. It's like sometimes they react uh, to like the news and then often they're reacting to Peaky Blenders. So that's the extent of my knowledge of it. <laughs> there's, um, there's a, there's a, what is it? It's uh, Don Hertzfeld, his uh, animated film, uh, World of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point is talking about how like, you know, these, these view screens allow us to read the memory of light particles so we can look into the past. But at a certain point, whenever you look back, you're mostly seeing people looking at view screens, looking into the past. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just what you just described. Yeah. It sounds like, um, I will say that I am on the Peaky Blinders wiki over at fandom.com. Yeah. And it says that his origin is Small Heath, Birmingham, England. So yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He's he's um he's very brummy, that makes sense. Yeah, but doesn't it make even more sense because like the Midlands or like the Ireland of Yeah, England? but Birmingham's full of Irish people. <laughs> yeah. It's full of Irish people. Oh, but like literally not just well, I don't just mean like literally Ireland, but you know, the Midlands always so or especially the North has his, always been very like ew the South. His father, like, Arthur Shelby, us. is apparently from Ireland. His origin That makes is sense. So he's like Ireland. he's first gen or he's second gen. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I bet people probably still hate him and he's like, I fought in the war. I get that. I get that. Um yeah, so anyway, uh So I think <laughs> what's going on? The sense that I've gotten is that we all generally you know, we're with this movie, but each of us come from our own different levels of skepticism, except Brian, because you're just like, whatever, this is good. <laughs> yeah, that's literally how my review <laughs> reads on Letterboxd. Like, whatever, yeah, this, this is, is good. good. Yeah, I think this I mean, is my a, husband net, loved it. a net positive film. And yeah, like, I'm happy. I'm pleased by the film's success. I am, you know, happy to have seen it. I'll probably see it again. I've seen it twice. I'm just not head over heels about it because of various, you know, personal and political reasons. But yeah. that's that's yeah. just movies for you. That's movies for you. And you gave a very impassioned speech at our critics. Thank group. you. It was not. It fell on uh, maybe not deaf ears, but it didn't. Um, I think it just made people vote for it more. Um, <laughs> I was like, "Listen, guys," and they're all like, "Yeah, yeah." Was, was it for script? Like. What I was yes, I was I was I was I was fighting against it for screenplay, and then it won for screenplay, and I was like, and all then, right, and then the I more, continued to win for everything. The more yeah. you talked, people were like, yeah, "She's right, this is a great screenplay." They're like, "Wow, <laughs> we do love this, and we do hate her." No, I was actually petty because uh, Banshees won for best supporting actress, and I had, and it was like one vote away from my my impassioned speech, Dolly De Leon, and yep. Triangle of Sadness. So I was yep. just like, "Oh, freaking Carrie Condon, you weren't even good in Rome." Yeah, but we she was remember great Rome in Unleashed and in Luck, and she was serviceable in Better Call Saul. Her character just very does not get a lot to do in Better Call Saul. I think Pop. poorly served, Pop. poorly served. Which I just finished Better Call Saul yesterday. Oh, what'd you think? Great show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> amazing. I got into it really late. I didn't start. I just watched all of it this year um, and loved it. Uh, but 
did not think her character needed to be there. No, um, she wasn't. I mean, not critical. I, I think uh, there's a lot of Mike. I think actually there might be perhaps too much Mike in that whole show. Uh, yeah, there's as, definitely as the, a point at which I'm like, I don't know if we need to be here with Mike anymore. And I love Mike. <laughs> yeah, like, don't yeah Mike's a great guy, but we know his trauma. We but know like, where he's going. Around so. the time he's like just hanging out with a bunch of Germans a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. We could we don't need to be here for this. <laughs> yeah. I bet Saul's getting some calls. Maybe we should go talk to him. <laughs> All right. All right any I final we, thoughts, yeah. uh, Cassidy, on this movie before we, we shove off? Um, no, I think it's been a really I'm I'm I think it's cool to see a big year um in Irish film as we've touched on. And it's cool to see this certainly is probably leading the the charge in terms of viewership and critical reception and all that. Um, but there's a lot of really wonderful Irish films. Uh, Quiet Girl is doing really well, um, which is exciting because it's an Irish language film. Um, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a good year for these movies and they're very different. <laughs> and there's lots of other movies as well uh, about Ireland. Uh, but overall, um, excited to watch it again and curious to see where uh, Martin McDonough goes from here as well. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't talk about, you know, the shift from, from what was it? He, he did in Bruges and then he did yeah, billboards. Seven was last. Yeah. Seven psychopaths then billboards, which Robin does not like three bibbing L boards. <laughs> what? That's what I call it. Three bibbing L boards. I think that's funny. Thank is you. It? <laughs> I'll take I it. have one fan. <laughs> I will take it. Anyway. Hello? Sorry. Hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> I got lost for a second. Is everyone still here? Yeah, we're here. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, I think I kicked a cord loose, but it's back now. Um, I, I got hung up on three building outboards. <laughs> <laughs> I broke your brain. Yes. I, I, I am. I, I liked in Bruges seven second pass was like fun in a way, but like, and I, you know, this is, this says a lot coming from me, maybe a little too meta. Um, and then three billboards. I like that. He got back to just a standard story, but it did feel like he was wrestling with perhaps more than he ought to. And I think I like that Banshees is back kind of in, in Bruges territory. Um, and so I'm hoping that he'll stay in this kind of lane a little bit, but what's funny, I don't think like seven psychopaths is the only one that was like a flop, like three billboards and Banshees, like three billboards won a bunch of stuff, didn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. So like him going small for Banshees was clearly like an artistic decision. It was not like a reaction to a failure. So no, I don't think so. I, can I think it's do whatever he wants. Apparently. Yeah. I also will. We didn't touch on just the scores really good. I like this mm. Carter Burwell score. And I just think it does a lot with the, I don't know. I think it adds a lot to the film. And I really liked that kind of, we didn't really touch on a lot of the craft elements in the film as well, but um, there's a lot going on. Like, I think they're all in service of like the, the, the script is so showy and the performances are so showy. So it's like a lot of the work that's going on behind the scenes is I think really 
doing a lot to a lot let that shine and it's not getting in the way but it's like really beautiful great cinematography absolutely gorgeous shots i love that there's a rainbow in the beginning of the movie (laughs) no i literally laughed out loud when i saw that film i was like is this is this that edited in like i was like this is ridiculous but i think it's just like very on the nose funny to be like we're in ireland here's a rainbow I know. There are lots of rainbows. Happy-go-lucky Colin Farrell. And also rainbows mean peace in Europe, don't they? It's like a symbol. Uh, Maybe. Don't they mean peace At least in Italy. I'm like, don't they mean gay? No, no. In in Italy, I believe rainbows signify peace, not not LGBTQ rights. Okay. Okay, but like Um, rainbows have for a billion fucking years symbolized peace. Okay, so I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, you're saying this like, whoa, can you imagine... In Can Italy, you imagine these dingbat Europeans? In Italy, a corpse on anything? fire actually means good luck. It's like, no, it's a rainbow. <laughs> that like, would be an Italian thing, though. <laughs> um, there are lots of, there are actually lots of rainbows in Ireland because of the way that there are sun showers all the time. So yeah, it is like not a stereotype. Uh, they are there a lot. So that was nice. That's why they're in Lucky Charms. That's why they're in Lucky Charms. There's a shit ton of rainbows in Ireland because of like the fact that it's always raining and then always sunny. Very high leprechaun population. (laughs) Yep. Anyway, now that I've said two deeply offensive things against the Irish, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Um, so that's all from us for today. Uh, the Banshees of Inishirin is on HBO Max right now, so check it out. Um, I don't know if it's in theaters anywhere, but uh, if it is, uh, go take your family. As for the rest of us, uh, you can find us all over the place. We'll get to that. Um, you can find this show on Twitter at Filmstage Show. And, of course, uh, email us podcastfilmstage.com. And you can go to patreon.com slash thefilmstage to give us your money. Don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi, a streaming service that curates excellent content dedicated to elevating great cinema. Uh, you can check out everything that we talked about earlier. For instance, the Pusher Trilogy and uh, Wuthering Heights is also on there, Andrew Arnold's adaptation. So check all that shit out by going to mubi.com. Slash film stage. And uh, yeah, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next? I believe Glass Onion is on is on the agenda. Heck yeah. The new, uh, please say the full title. Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Yay. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> it should 100% be called a Benoit Blanc mystery. Just saying. I am looking forward to chatting about that. I've already seen it. It's great. Um, and it, it has also been getting a little uh, a little bit of awards recognition. So we can talk about that when we talk about that next week. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we speak to them. Uh, Cassidy, would you like to do your plugs first? Sure thing. I am very on Twitter as long as that site <laughs> is still around and not horrible. But who knows? Uh, at Olson Cassidy because I was verified before I could change it to my name in the right order. <laughs> um, and I'm on Instagram at Cascady Olson. I'm on Letterboxd. I don't know what my handle is there. It's my name. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty active online. Come say hello. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And Rumbar. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, also not tweeting as much lately. Um, we'll see how I feel about that in the future. But yeah, uh, you can find me at ROB. Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my handle. I am not verified. Um, 
And I'm also on Letterboxd at the same handle. And you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. Um, as for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Brian J. Rowan, where I am primarily tweeting about how much I did not like the new Avatar movie. Um, that's, that's become my brand now. Um, uh, you can also find me on all the other social media networks at Brian J. Rowan. And, of course, you can find out more about the whiskey that I make at inkwellwhiskey.com. And uh, you can read all of my stuff that I've ever written and check out all the end-of-the-year content over at the Film Stage as well as every episode of this podcast at filmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time. Talk about people you can make me